Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party with my dad and my sister Mary. When do you want to start? I'm starting. Oh, yeah. I guess I'll, I'll start it. Okay. Are you nervous about starting it? Well, I don't know how to start a podcast. Ah, uh, okay. What do I say? Something like, say hey, something? everyone, this is Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. That's right. To the show. Uh-huh. Um, I'm Mary Dedrick. And I'm David Dedrick. That, are we starting it like this? I guess we're starting oh. it. You started it yourself. Oh, <laughs> wish I hadn't. All right. <laughs> and Mary... You yes. very, you very kindly have opted to or decided to step in, yes, and take some weight off my back as I'm in the last throes of the Sparks uh, coloring process, and I'm looking forward to a week of uh, no sleep as I try to finish the last of the pages of this this book, and so you have volunteered yes. to yes. to do the uh, the hard labor, yep, of choosing songs, yes. And writing out notes for them. I have. I mean, to be fair, I already had the songs on there. Yeah. So that wasn't that hard. Okay. <laughs> and then also doing the research was also not very hard. Really? No. Well. Because maybe because we've covered a few of the songs or a few of the bands that are on this. Uh, I think that, and then also I like put it, I kept putting it off, okay. so I didn't write that much about them. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, but so stepping in, you meant you're going to step out. Yes. Step aside. Dad, I'm yeah. going to step aside to the plate <laughs> and uh, take some of the burden of this show. That's okay. I didn't say good. I was going to do it well. That's okay. That's fine. That's all good. And so, <clears throat> and just another uh, little warning for listeners. Once again, we are on one mic. Yes. We do have two mics in the studio. Yes. Unfortunately, one mic does not have a cable for it. Yep. And so I forgot that at Ian's as well. I thought... I forgot that I'd brought a cable with it because I thought, I thought, why did I bring an extra cable? Yeah. I only brought the microphone. There's, we have I lots mean, of cables, but really, we're lucky that Dad forgot or remembered to bring his head back because <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't have been able to do the podcast at all. As my mom has often said to me, David, it's lucky your head is screwed on; otherwise, you'd forget that as well. And uh, it's true, my head is screwed on because you're a robot. Yep, <laughs> robot father. Yep, I am the David three thousand. Yes. Mary, do you want to start the show now? Uh, I thought do we already did. Do you want to start the show with a song? Oh, sure. I am all efficiency. Well, hold on. All conversation For, is gone. Okay, that's not... Okay, also, if you were a David robot, 3000. you would have a good memory. I have an excellent memory. You do not. I have an excellent memory. You forgot the chord there at Ian's house. That was not me. That was real David. This is the David 3000 it's taking been like over for him. It's been a month since we've had two mics in the studio. I have not been on the job that long. Okay. All right. I'm glad that and you... To, and to be fair to other David, yeah, we do the show every two weeks, yes. so it's really just two shows, not a whole month. Yeah, but... Okay. All right. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, I... Uh, I'm back, Mary. I, yeah. had, I had to go to the bathroom. I hope everything Oh, is. right. Yeah. Well, you, there's a weird robot here taking over for you. <laughs> really? I didn't... Well, why was he weird? I, I thought he seemed pretty good. No, he was not good. Oh, he was bad. He did not add anything to the show. He huh. was combative. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't sound like a robot. <laughs> Did not uh, take criticism well. You know what the problem was, Mary? What? Is I heard I heard that robot from the Rock'em Sock'em Robot. Oh, factory, right. So yeah. Well, that, thought... ex- that explains why he punched me in the face. <laughs> oh, but then I punched I have... him back and his head popped off. So. You know what? I forgot my glasses in the bathroom. Oh, no. Okay, hold on. All right. No, you should stay here. 
I don't think that robot should come back. I don't think he's a good addition to the cast. <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? You're a bad robot. Robots don't laugh. You can see am- Dad's trying to pretend to be a robot, but then he just keeps laughing because he's making himself laugh. <laughs> bad robot. Robots don't laugh. I am the David 3000. Mm-hmm. I have returned. Yeah. I am also part rock'em sock'em robot. Sponging me in the arms. <laughs> oh, hey, man, I'm back. I got my glasses. Oh, good, good. Nice. <clears throat> so, going on the show, what are you shaking your head All right. At? So, um, okay. So, uh, I chose the songs this time. Yes, you did. So, this was... Luckily for me, you chose them out of the David Edrick songbook. So, you've well, taken... A few of these songs will be appearing later on on... on uh, on future mixtapes. Yes, and That's I think fine, uh, a few of them, well, a few of them we've heard the artist before. And some of the songs. And I don't think on this side we've heard any of the songs. Okay. Yes, we have. We've heard Black Cat by Boy. We have? Yeah. Oh. Oh, what? But I, okay. I texted you. I researched him. I forgot about that one. It's <sighs> <laughs> good. I did all this research. That's good. Look, I got three bullet points. <laughs> Like, well, they might be different than mine, so that's good. They probably aren't. Well, I don't know. I don't it's not really. He's not super well known. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um. So <laughs> I, I interviewed him. Spoily. I interviewed him one time, but unfortunately, the the interview is lost to the inter- internet. So. Oh, did you? Because it okay. was on a website that. Uh, did you interview him about when he got arrested? I didn't even know he got arrested. You did. Oh. Well, let's well, let's I'll listen talk to this. About that, yeah. After we finish the song. On. Hold on. Hold on, Let Mary. me. Just, Let me just say, oh Mary, just a, one second. I forgot my I forgot my socks oh my in the bathroom. God. I gotta go to the bathroom. Why because... did you leave? Why did you take your socks off? I don't know. I'm so comfortable in there. Oh my god! I'll be right back. <laughs> I am now filling in for David. He forgot his socks in the bathroom. Oh! I am the David Three Thousand. Oh my god! You're a bad podcast co-host. You a you keep leaving. B your chosen substitute is terrible. Not funny. I don't know why you're getting mad at me. I am just a robot. I do not have socks to take off. My feet are metal. <laughs> you also don't forget things, apparently. I am totally... Uh, I cannot remember what I was going to say. I'm a completely perfect robot. Yeah, except I'm you like, forgot what you were going to say then. I'm like Hell, so, Hell 3000 from A Space Odyssey. Yeah, that's a good example of a perfect robot who didn't do anything bad. Exactly. He hmm. is my role model. Okay, okay. I think you should leave. <laughs> I think you should probably get out of here. Did I mention I am from the Rock'em Sock'em Robot Factory? Yes, you did. (laughs) Stop punching me in the arm. Okay, so, Dad, are you back? Did you get your socks? Okay, yeah, I got my socks, Mary. Sorry about that. I didn't forget anything else in there except for my pants, but I'll get those later. I mean, really, when you have to go from here to the bathroom, you have to exit Mm -hmm. the shop, go out through the rainy backyard, into the cold, dark carport, into the house. Mm -hmm. I know. And then all the way back. That's when I realized I forgot my pants. Also when the chickens whistled me as well. Chickens. Okay, chickens can't whistle, and also I already put them away. (laughs) Oh, okay. Also, apparently... I already put them away. The chickens... Mm -hmm. No, I put them away. The door wasn't closed. Oh, you mean the hatch to the coop? Yeah. Oh, I leave that open for longer. Oh. It's dark out. I know. They still like to wander. They do. Okay. They were all cozy in there. Yeah, they like it. Um, They're walking around in the snow today. Oh, were they? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yesterday they weren't. No, and they were like, I they don't know about this. <laughs> and then I don't know about this white stuff. All, all these birds. There's like seven seven birds in their, oh, in, in their, uh, in their coop? In, well, then the, uh, in the run. 
Just eating They're seeds like, look at all these seeds. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> all the seeds are covered with white stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we were driving in today and we saw this eagle sitting in this sitting up in a tree looking out over the snowy field. Yeah. We were like, oh, poor eagle. He's like, where, where, where are the mice? Everything's covered in this white stuff. I can't see it. <laughs> are mice out in a boat in the winter anyway? I guess they must, yeah. must be. Yeah. I think, I mean, I guess so. Uh, they are. It's, yeah. Yeah. They don't hibernate. No. They're not bears. No. Yes. They're not bears. It's true. Also, our neighborhood bear, we don't have to worry about it anymore. So I guess they're hibernating. Oh, he's not, he's not been out in a boat? No. She. She? Oh, it's a she. she had two cubs. Oh, nice. Mm. So, uh, do you have to, like, have special garbage cans where you live? No, we just have to lock them up where we get, like, a $300 fine. Mm-hmm. That's reasonable. Do you don't attract bears. No. And also, I read a thing that said that bears... Um, Poop in the woods? Yes. Uh, no, I read a thing woods? that said that... I don't know if this is true. But I read a thing that said that uh, bears can hold off on birthing babies until they are like if they're living in unfavorable conditions oh really yeah how long like years they can just like basically like terminate the pregnancy oh okay if they feel they're, like, not hol- they're holding off i thought you meant they, they keep they postpone their, their, oh, no. their birth no no so like i guess generally they are gestating while they're hibernating okay right but they can like stop that if they are if it's like a not a favorable situation that they're living in so people are saying that like leaving out garbage for bears to get into yeah, yeah. is especially bad because it tricks their body into thinking they're living in favorable conditions. Oh, okay. So then they're more likely to have more babies. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so let's talk about this playlist that I made. <laughs> you, you, you so carefully curated and now we've been ignoring for five minutes. Yes. Oh, Mary, I'm really uncomfortable without my pants on. I'm just going to quickly and go get my pants. You're wearing your pants. No, no, they're in the... They're, they're on Mary, your legs. I know that you're pretending cause for the radio audience. You're for pretending for the radio audience. No. <laughs> you're wearing pants. Oh, sorry. I forgot I put them on. Okay. Okay. Okay, so... Unlike a robot, I'm extremely forget- forgetful. The robot was also pretty forgetful, to be fair. Oh, really? You forgot what you were saying at one point. Huh. What yeah. a terrible robot. I know. That's what I said. I'm going to have to take it back. Then punched me. I have to... We'll have to take it back to the Rock'em Sock'em Robot Factory where I got them from. Okay, so what's your first song, Mare? No, I want to tell you about the playlist. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep trying to, and you keep talking talking in a robot voice. You're talking about bears. Yeah, but that was kind of relevant. I can talk in a bear voice. Hey, boo-boo. Well, that's one specific specific bear's voice, (laughs) Father. That's not a voice indicative of all bears. (laughs) All right. Okay. So your this so, this list, which has a great name, by the way. It does have a great name. Thank you. Um, so this playlist yeah. I made. So the last playlist that mm-hmm. I had, or mixtape, yes, if you prefer. Sorry, that is the basis of the show. Yeah. The last mixtape that I had made, if you remember back that far to September or whatever, whatever that was. Um, I'm like a robot. I'm extremely forgetful. Moving on. Um, <laughs> Um, that was, I made that one for when I was cleaning buildings at this camp that I worked at and it was like very like high key or like high energy songs to like motivate me to like clean a toilet or whatever. Um, this one is kind of the opposite. All right. So this is low key songs. These are low key songs. So these songs, I, so you're inspired to not clean a toilet. Yes. This is when you couldn't stop cleaning toilets and someone finally said, Mary, you don't have to clean them 
all day long. Mm. And you're like, okay, I need to make a playlist or mixtape mm-hmm. that stops me from cleaning toilets. No. So this was for after groups had left. I didn't have groups coming in. Okay. And in the summer, when yeah. we had weddings and stuff, we would send laundry off-site mm. because we had so much laundry. Yeah. In the off-season... Yes. Uh, or like the... When would the off-season be? Well, September to May. Okay. So really, really, we only sent bedding away for weddings yeah. or after weddings or like big events. Mm-hmm. And that was usually in July, June, July, August. Okay. Okay. Um. So some of September, some of... May, but mainly those like three months would be the high season, then the rest would be shoulder season. Yeah. Or like off season. So for shoulder season, off season, I would do all the laundry. Um, because we usually didn't have big enough groups, right? Yeah. But sometimes because we would have, you know, more than one group on site or whatever, sometimes I'd end up doing laundry all day. Yeah. Like sometimes I just do like eight hours of folding laundry. Ooh. Which I got really good at folding laundry. It's good. It's good so, skill. It is. So I wanted to make a playlist that was sort of more Low key. Do you still fold your laundry in at home? Yeah. Good. What's the other option? Uh, just leave it in the basket in a big mess. Oh, no. Well, no, I don't do that. That'd be awful. That would be hard to find. Yeah, and it would be all wrinkly. And yeah, no, I do. Yeah. I I usually do all of our laundry. Okay. For me and Duncan. Okay. And then I do the all the bedding and stuff and all the towels and, mm-hmm. and everything, which is fine because I'm fine with doing that. Yeah. And he generally does the dishes more often than i do okay so it kind of works out trade-offs trade-offs yep because cool. i don't like doing dishes but he doesn't mind doing dishes i like doing dishes i don't i also like folding laundry yeah i don't like putting laundry away though oh okay i don't mind that mm. we don't i mean we don't have that much laundry yeah we also we share one six uh drawer <laughs> cupboard for all of our clothing yeah and then the the um the closet mm. so I felt like, yeah, when, well, it still feels like we have a voluminous amount of clothing in our house, even yeah. with you gone now. I know. It still feels like I'm just, just a ginormous piles of, of laundry. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to stop it all. I'm just start throwing it away secretly. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe don't announce that on the podcast that mom listens oh, to. Never mind. Yeah. That was just a joke, Mary. <laughs> Although maybe you should throw out that Pokemon shirt finally. Oh, I've tried many times. I know you have. <laughs> Many, many times. <laughs> Mom has this Pokemon shirt that she found in her school, Lost and Found, in like 1995. Yeah. She doesn't know what Pokemon is. Nope. The shirt's basically like translucent now. Yeah. Because it's 25 years old. It's stained. Stained. It's awful. Torin. I think, what is it? Is it Bulbasaur on it? May, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know Pokemon either. But she especially doesn't know Pokemon. <laughs> Mom, we're putting you on blast. <laughs> Throw that shirt out. You have enough shirts. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So what is the name of this list, Mary? We said it was a great okay. name for a list. So because this is for doing laundry. Yeah. This list is called Laundromancer. I love it. <laughs> um and yeah, they're generally like more low key songs. Yeah. And they're I thought it was like a sing along playlist because I, I, I thought a lot of these songs it were so is I love to sing along. Also too. good for singing along because I would also love to sing along mm. to songs. Is this one that you could play like aloud a in like empty places where you could like be working without anyone? You didn't have to worry about like other people yeah. coming along. Yes. Don't worry about visitors or staff. Well, yeah, because you. this, uh, the laundry room there yeah. was staff only. Okay. So no like guests mm-hmm. would come into the area. And it was also, it was really just the laundry room and then also a staff bathroom. Okay. Um, so the only time I had to worry about other people coming in would be if someone was coming in to use the staff bathroom. 
Sure. But especially in the shoulder season when there wasn't that many people at camp, yeah. it was less of a thing that I had to worry about because um, there's usually only like, I don't know, under five staff members there yeah. and we had a lot of bathrooms. Cool. So like staff specific bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, often I would be singing along to these. And then <laughs> I realized later that they were all kind of depressing songs too, ah. which I don't know, you know, fall depressing time it's gloomy it's rainy you're stuck inside doing laundry for eight hours straight but hmm, they're all depressing you think well i guess we'll have to judge that as we go well i mean i think i don't know if they're all depressing but mm-hmm. i think that they all have sort of a dreary element to okay. them well, or like possibly a, why i like them as well ma- macabre you know i do like songs that are macabre and depressing yeah all right so let's because as you know my favorite time of the year is the is the fall yes i love gray skies and bare trees yep that's like my al- you love absolute favorite. When it rains for three months straight and you never see the sun. Yeah, I love I love um, I love melancholy. Mm-hmm. It's a feeling I really I really uh, appreciate. Right. So uh, I like songs that are kind of melancholy. Okay, well let's listen to this melancholy um, <laughs> mix mixtape the then. <laughs> so this first song is the song "Black Cat" by the band Boy from their 2004 album "Every Page You Turn," and Father has said that we um, already listened to the song. Yes. So. You can hear it again. Let's hear it again. You know, it'll give you a new appreciation for this song. Yes. you hear it in a new light. Yes. It's a brand new year, everyone. Yep. Okay, let's hear it.
So that was Boy with the song Black Hat. Yes. So, um, I don't remember what Dad said about this band, and neither does he, or this song. Yeah. So I'm just going to say what I wrote down. Okay. Um, so this band started off as just one guy. That's true. Steven. Steven Noel Kosmaniak. Okay. A.K.A. Cause. Okay. Um, and he started out just recording music in his bedroom in Whitehorse, in the Yukon. That's pretty amazing. Yes. I think I'm, we will hear another song from him, one from his uh, first album, which is oh, him good. by himself. Yes, that was just him by himself. And it is really interesting because it, it's so homemade that he's like, for a song that he wanted strings on, he's obviously just like sampling them off of a record. Right. And just using that as a, as a substitute for for having strings. But it, it's so it's so inventive and ingenious that it's really quite it's quite charming. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's very good. I, I did meet him one time. I mentioned that on the, the show as well. Unfortunately, that interview has gone gone to the wind because the website that I did it for has also gone to the wind. Actually, you can find it. You can find the website, but it's just like a parked website that you can oh, okay. like pay money to right. to get the, uh, um, the I, name. I was wrong. Okay. Cause was not arrested. Oh. That was someone else. Okay. Okay. So. That's good. Yeah. That was a different cause. No, it was a different musician who I, uh, who I, it was, it's like a very similar. Okay. Well, we'll get, we'll get to that. So we'll, we'll, we'll get, get to him. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, so after Cause recorded uh, the his first album, yes, he brought it in an eponymous album. It's called Boy. Yeah. Hmm. Um, he brought in. He's found into a full band for his second album. Yes. He brought in musicians from all across Canada. Okay. One from Toronto. Okay. One from Nanaimo. Like it. One from Winnipeg. Okay. And then one from Victoria. Mm, not really all across Canada, but okay. No, I know. But two from BC, yeah. one from Ontario, yeah. one from Manitoba, Manitoba yeah. and then him from the Yukon. Sure. That's pretty good. Yeah. He's got a West Coast, he's got a Western bias. I mean, he I know does. Ontario's there, but yeah. I feel like that guy's the outlier. Yeah. And then they did go and record the album in a ca- uh, cabin on Vancouver Island. Which is kind of neat. Which is neat. And it, this- it has a great sound. Like, oh, it does. Like if you heard that album and then, you, and then someone said, and you know what? It was recorded in a log cabin. I doubt it was a log cabin. No. To be honest with you, because- like when you say cabin in in British Columbia, it evokes an, an idea that in no way relates to the reality no, of what no, cabins are. Definitely, which not. are basically like someone's second house yeah. by a lake. Yes, that's that's the cabin. Yeah, that's the cabin aspect. Is that it's near a body of water. Yes. Other than that, and like when they can, say it's like a t- two three level home. Yeah. With all the amenities. Yeah. Heat, everything yes. else. Yeah. Usually, when, you know, fourteen or fifteen snowmobiles. Yeah. One or two boats. 16 or 17 samurais parked around it in various yeah. states of, of togetherness. Yes. Yeah. When they say recorded in a cabin on Vancouver Island, they yeah. probably mean recorded in the, in the second home of <laughs> I, the parents of either the guy who is from Nanaimo or the guy who's from Victoria. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 Um, but I also wanted to say that this album was produced mm-hmm. by Brandon McGuire. Love Brandon McGuire. Who also produced Sloan. Yeah. That's what he is known for, producing yeah. Sloan. He's produced a few other bands as well. He's kind of like a... He started off as a sound man for Sloan. Oh, okay. And then he started to take his sound man experience and to engineering, and then he kind of became a producer through working with Sloan and people like that. But he's produced a lot of a lot of acts. I think he's done stuff with like um, uh, social broken social scene and stuff like. So, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, um, and then uh, so Boy is still technically active as a band. Oh, good. But they've not put out an album since Every Page You Turn. Which is like 2004, right? 2004, yeah. 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 So they haven't put an album out, album out in 16 years. They, I think they had two singles come out in 2006. Okay. 
Um, they did a bunch of touring after this album. They went yeah. to South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. I think they did some touring in like Europe, mm. but they did lots of touring all across Canada. But they are not really recording active. Yeah, it's so weird. So Cause has moved on to more producing and songwriting. Okay. So that's sort of his big thing. Okay. So he has done a whole lot of producing and songwriting, uh, including for Madonna, Nicki Minaj, Haley Steinfeld. Wow. Um, and also uh, Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa. Okay. Um, he produced her whole, like, eponymous first album. Okay. Which came out, I think, well last year or a couple years ago hmm. um but it was very uh why wi- i haven't heard any songs from it but it was yeah. really widely acclaimed huh. she was like a she's british i, I don't see. know she's a. her parents are like armenian or something when hmm. she was a model and then she became a singer as okay. well and okay um yeah she a bunch of her a bunch of her songs hit like number one hmm. but he did producing and um co-songwriting for I think almost every song on that album of hers and one of her singles before that album. Well, like, you know, it's sad that he couldn't make a living doing his own stuff, but yeah. I guess it's good that he's still working on music. Obviously, yeah, it's something that totally. he's, he's very good at. Yeah, and he's also done producing for um, a bunch of different Canadian acts, too. Mm. Mm. Banners was one that I didn't know. Banners? Banners. Yeah. Okay. And there's another one I can't remember. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I was looking at them i didn't really know mm. any of them like i look i just sort of scanned through the list and named the people who i recognized sure, and who sure. i thought listeners would yeah. recognize yeah well i mean that's that it's kind of the new thing nowadays it's unfortunate but the way the music industry has gone is that most of the money for artists is in songwriting right and so there's like these songwriting p- pools that you can like you know, join into like, you know, but you have to kind of go to places where that's what happens. Like Nashville, for instance, would be a place where if you move there and you have connections and you can get into these songwriting teams. Right. And if you look at like, you know, modern country songs and stuff like that, they'll have like six or seven people, you know, maybe less than that, but they'll have like a lot of people credited for the songs. And, you know, you just kind of want to get in there, like just get one line of lyrics in that song, get your name on it. Right. And then, you know, you're guaranteed some money. And then if you get like a hit, you're guaranteed a lot of money. And there's really no other vehicle, and besides playing live, there's no other way to get money as an artist right nowadays, as a musical artist. Like, you know, obviously CD sales and like album sales are zero, practically nil. Uh, so your money and streaming is, gives you nothing. Like Spotify and stuff like that is just, you know, it's just a joke. What the amount they pay their, the people like, you know, artists got more money from being played on the radio than they get from being on Spotify and on Apple and stuff like that. And so Apple's actually the best one. They pay the most, but. Mm. But for like Google Play and and Spotify, it's just absolutely sh- shameful how little they pay artists. And so what's left is, um, you know, is either you make money in three ways: touring, mm-hmm. songwriting, mm-hmm. or suing someone who's written a song that sounds vaguely like yours. Right. Those are your three ways of making yes. money that are left to artists. So mm. they're all viable. They're all good ways to make money. Oh yeah, do you think so? Well, I'm not saying that they're uh, all equally. Um, ethical right but you know gotta do what you gotta do mayor but i'm yes, glad that he's true. still performing i, I really this album's really quite good like this song is, is is great i think it's a standout track from the album personally speaking it was not the single for whatever reason mostly because record companies are dumb but it uh it is a good album like i really love the song does i love the way it builds you know it starts off with this yeah. like the acoustic guitar and then it slowly adds the band and then at the very end of the song you're getting like that kind of almost mellotron like 
flute sound that's playing in the background, mm. which is so great, that little descending line. I really like, it's one of those kind of sounds in a song where you're just like, oh, this makes the song. You've just made the song like a hundred times better. This is so perfect. Can't believe it. I think that's what the Mellotron was as an instrument. It was like the icing instrument. Do you know right. what I mean? No. Well, like, it's like, like, think of Strawberry Fields. Oh, okay. Like, that song's pretty good. But the part that you really like is the, the little kind of um, flute-like sound that's at the beginning of the song, which is a Mellotron. Oh, okay. But, you know, um, do-do-do. You know, anyway, it doesn't matter. I can't, mm. I can't sing it right now. But, do you know, that's, uh, I have, for some reason, I have I Am The Walrus stuck in my head now, so I can't sing, uh, I can't sing uh, Strawberry Fields Forever. But, uh, I mean, I can sing the melody, but I can't think of that little uh, musical part. I don't know why I've got good, uh, well, I'm the walrus stuck in my head. But a lot of this album, to me, it kind of sounds sort of, has a sort of space rock kind of sound of, of sort of mid-70s Pink Floyd as well. Oh, okay. On, the, on a few of the songs in this album. It's quite, it's quite good. According to Wikipedia, yeah. the band's style has been likened to that of Sam Roberts with influences of late 60s and 70s British pop rock. Yeah, I could see I can see that in there. I do think it I do think it's closer to seventy sound, but you know. Hmm. Yeah. That's fine. Whatever okay. they want to say. Alright. So the next song is uh Thirteen by Big Star. Yeah. From their nineteen seventy two album number one record. Okay. I'll tell you a little secret, Mare. Hmm? This was not a number one record. Uh, I know that. Let's hear and then we'll talk about why. Won't you let me walk you home from school? Won't you let me meet you at the pool? Maybe Friday I can get tickets for the dance. I'll take you Won't you tell your dad Get off my back Tell him what we said About painted black Rock and roll is here to stay Come inside when it's okay And I'll shake you
So that was 13 by Big Star. That's a great song. It's a wonderful song, man. Probably should have been a number one record. It should very much have been a number one record. Um, so let me just talk a bit about... And they, when they named it that, they were being jokey. They weren't trying to be serious. Well... They're having some fun. I think there was a bit of... You think they were kind of boasty? I think... Well, I don't know about boasty, but I think that they were a little hopeful. Oh, they were hopeful, yes. Yeah. They thought they really had something there. Yeah. But they were maybe maybe five years ahead of, ahead of, the, ahead of time. Right. They just were a little bit ahead of the... They were still... They were still in the early 70s. They should have been in the, the late 70s. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway, so um, Big Star uh, was formed in 1971 in Memphis. Yeah. Um, so a musician Wait. named... Wait. Are you telling me that this band... Yes. ...that I just listened to... Yep. ...clearly, you know, very much rooted in power pop sounds... Yes. ...was based in Memphis, Tennessee? Yes. The home of the blues? Yes. The home of soul? Yep. The home of Stax Records? Yep. Okay. So, um, Alex Chilton yeah. was a longtime musician. Sure was. Uh, he, when he was 16, he actually recorded a song. Uh, he, he was in a blue-eyed soul group. Yes, the box the, tops. The yeah. box tops. And he recorded a song called The Letters. The Letter. Oh, The Letter, yeah. sorry. Which was very popular. Mm-hmm. Not still is, but you know it's one of those songs yeah, it's, that it's still in circul- It's still in rotation on, on oldie stations. Yeah, and it's one of those songs where. Do you, you know, know that song? I do. Yes. Send me a ticket. Yep, I actually listened to it when I was re- researching okay, this. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a good song. And yeah, he recorded it when he was sixteen. Mm-hmm. And he had a great voice. though. He had a great voice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so so good. Very. Um, Basically, it was the band was was put together by by a guy named Chips Moman. Who was a hmm. producer in Memphis, and he That's needed fake name, but okay. Did you do you have that in your research? I'm just, no, I don't want to. Yeah, so this guy named Chips Moman was putting together like a, a vehicle to have a hit song, right? Basically, what it was, and so he put together. He took a, a couple of people from different local bands in Memphis, and he created this band, the Box Tops, mm. and then he gave them the song that was written by someone else, but he thought this is a hit song, yeah. and so he he kind of made the group, and he and he really liked Alex Chilton's voice. And yeah, That's so he fair. created this band. Unfortunately, they weren't an organic band, so there was like nothing that held them together as a group. Yeah, you know? um, I, I did read. I don't know if this is true, but I did read somewhere that Chilton had to get permission to uh, be out of school for the day to record the vocals for the song. That's, pro- that's possible. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's true. I just read it somewhere, but I thought that that was funny. He seemed to have pretty loosey goosey parents. Yeah, that let a let, let yeah. a let a goings on go on. Yeah. Um, so Alex, kind of artsy parents. Yeah. So Alex Chilton knew another musician called Chris Bell. They were both in the Memphis um, music scene. Yeah. And Chilton wanted Bell to join him in a Simon and Garfunkel style duo. Okay. But Bell declined because he was already in a band. Okay. Called Icewater. Yes. So that band was comprised of Chris Bell, Jody Stevens, and Andy Hummel. Okay. So he was like, hey. Alex Chilton, yeah. no, I will not be in this duo with you. Yeah. You should come see my band, Icewater, because yeah. we're great. And Chilton went there and saw their band yeah. and was like, you guys are great. Yeah. And here's a, some songs that I wrote, and can I be in your band, basically? And they were like, yeah, these songs are really good, mm. and you should join the band. And so they became Big Star. Can I just point out that Alex had recorded a solo album. Oh, yeah. This, by this point, he yes. had recorded a solo album, but it it didn't really take off, because I think the box steps, I think it did at least three albums, hmm. but they're all of like, you know, a sort of like uh, declining returns for each right. each album. Uh, the other one had a good song called Neon City, I think it was called. Okay. Which is a very good sort of like sunshine pop kind of bubblegummy song, which is very good. 
but uh, it wasn't quite, it wasn't like the the letter-sized hit. Right. You know, and so these sort of, they're declining fortunes. And, you know, it's just, you're touring, but you're just sort of, you go from top of the package to like middle of the package on these sort of like package tours where it's you and like four other bands or whatever traveling around in a bus. Yeah. And it just gets worse and worse. And so he just left that part of the, he left the box tops and then he started, he put together a solo album, but he put it together with uh, the people who ran Ardent Studios in Memphis, which was basically kind of the the alternative to the rest of the Memphis scene. Mm-hmm. So whereas you had like, you know, high studios or stacks studios and stuff, the uh, Ardent was entirely like orientated towards like Beatles and British Invasion kind of sounds. And that's what the owner really liked. So that's what he, he wanted bands to sound like and that came to a studio. And so then Alex Chilton kind of started to sort of, sort of orbiting there. And same with Chris Bell. Mm-hmm. And the guy who ran the studio, he would like train, if you wanted, were interested, he would train you in engineering so that you could work in the studio as an engineer. Cool. And so when Big Star recorded the album, Chris Bell did most of the producing and engineering yes. himself. Like yeah. he'd turn on the tape recorder and then run in and start yeah. playing. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to step on your notes, dear. That's okay. <laughs> oh, I rolled my eyes there. I just, got, I just got enthusiastic. Ugh, dads. You know me. I know you. Um, so, Chilton, uh, so one of the songs that he brought to uh, Big Star that he had written before the band was this song, 13. Yeah. He wrote the song um, when he was 19. Uh, uh, and I, it, part of it was, well, it was, it was definitely inspired by him seeing the Beatles in concert when he was 13. Okay. So he had seen cool. them, him and... Um, That's funny, they mentioned Painted Black rather than a Beatles song. Yeah. I don't like the song Painted Black. That's so okay. I, I, I um, resent them changing it now. But him and Chris Bell had actually both seen the Beatles ah. when they were 13, cool. when the Beatles came through. That's a great... Uh, Great, great little bit of shared. Experience. Yeah, yeah, totally. And they were so inspired by the Beatles. Yeah, like they really wanted to have like a Lennon McCartney type writing partnership where it was like Chilton and Bell <laughs> at like the top, and then the other guys were there too, but they weren't as important yeah, as yeah. Chilton and Bell. Sure, They're sure. the new Lennon McCartney. Yeah. Um, and they would like write their songs yeah. together, and all their songs would be credited Bell slash Chilton. Sure, right? And Andy Hummel just gets one song on, on every record. <laughs> well, he, you know, he he did come up with that song. What? The there's like one song that he wrote, but he yeah. you know contributed the, that. The he was, song, yeah, yeah. He was like, oh hey, I've got this song, and I thought it would be good, and they yeah. were like, yeah, yeah, sure. The India song, it's yeah, good. yeah. But yeah, for this. Um, for number one record, there was less of that sort of co-writing than they sort of planned. Planned because a lot of it was, I think it was a bunch of the songs were brought um, forward that they had written before the two band or before yeah. they got together. Yeah. Okay. So I think um, Chilton had like uh, like f- around five songs that he brought in, and I think Bell had around the same, hmm. and then Hummel contributed that one, and then. Um, the two of them, Chilton and Bell, worked like co-wrote the I think the final song okay. together. But I don't think that there was really as much of that as they hoped for. Hmm. Um, but yeah, and like uh, as Dad said, they did or Bell did a lot of the um, the like producing mm-hmm. stuff. They said that he was like the technical guy, and like without him, the album wouldn't have been able to be made. Like he did so much of that, like planning and getting things to work, and just like the 
that stuff. Well, yeah, because they both basically recorded it after hours when the studio was was closed for the night. They had mm. come in and, and just do, do, do it on their own. So they were kind of working off hours. Right. So they weren't, you know, taking up valuable studio time. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So this album, it came out. It was very critically acclaimed. Sure was. But uh, Stax Records was yeah. terrible to yeah. this band, and they destroyed it. <laughs> uh, they didn't promote the album. They didn't distribute it. Uh, even the band themselves would go out and get it on the radio. Yeah. And people would be like, I love this song. I'm going to go buy it. And they would go to a record store, and it wouldn't be there. Yeah. Because Stax wouldn't, like, couldn't get it into stores. It's not um, really, it wasn't that Stax was terrible. Stax was in the was basically falling apart by this time. Right, yes. Because they had the huge thing where they lost like their almost their entire catalog to Atlanta Records. Oh, okay. Through some sort of weird thing that was in a contract that Jim Stewart had signed. Oh. And so that really killed them because they lost all of their income. Right. From all of the, everything they'd done, like all the great stack songs that everyone loves. Yeah. You know, whatever you think of, you know, Sitting by the Dock of the Bay. Sure. J- uh, Tramp. Uh-huh. Uh, Big Bird, or Hi- Big Bird, you yeah, know, that, you know uh, all those songs I thought of when you said, you know, those yeah, famous Stax yeah, Green, record songs? Green Onions. Yes. Like, all those yeah. songs that everyone loves. You could just be making all this up. You've heard these songs. You've heard Big, you've heard Big I know, Bird. but I wouldn't be like, oh, I know that song mm. put out by Stax Records. Yeah, yeah. But you you do. Like, okay. uh, everyone knows songs song okay. by Stax. But they lost all those songs. Right. So they lost all this income. Yes. And so they were trying to, like, start basically anew as the 70s turned. And unfortunately... You know, unless you're a big record label that has tons of money behind it, it was really hard in the early 70s to, like, be a record label. Like, the reason they'd signed with, with Atlantic was because Atlantic had good distribution. Hmm. Because they were really, they were connected to Warners. And so they had, like, a good national distribution. But when they disconnected from Atlantic, especially over this issue of, you know, losing all their a catalog to them, they had no distribution then. They had no one to distribute the records. And so, like, they signed with other, like, you know, they tried to, like, create their own kind of network, but it just it wouldn't work. And they had successful artists. They had, um, you know, the guy who played Chef on South Park, and his name is... Oh. You know who I mean, though, anyway. Isaac Hayes. That's, that's right. They had Isaac Hayes, uh, who was, like, a big-selling artist, you know, with his first album was huge, Hot Buttered Soul, and, and then, you know, he just was, like, big, but they didn't really have, like, a ton of other artists on the label. Like, they had staple singers... You know, they had some other hits and stuff like that, but they just had trouble with distribution. And then a black label trying to distribute a white band, you know, through for Ardent. And it wasn't just Big Star that suffered from this, too. There was another really good band on Ardent Records called Cargo. Okay, yep. And they were fantastic as well. And we'll hear a song by them later on in the, in the mixtapes. And they also, uh, their album was great and it flopped nationally because they just couldn't get distribution. So I just want to say, it wasn't like, it wasn't like Stax was against Big Star. It was just... Stax was against itself. It was just like fighting a losing battle. Right. And eventually it filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. Well, it says, uh, so apparently uh, Columbia bought Stax Mm. at some point. Okay. Um, But this did not help Big Star because Columbia didn't want to have to deal with all of Stax's independent distributors. Yeah. So they just removed all copies of number one record from stores. Yeah. So even copies that that Stacks had managed to get into stores yeah. were taken out of stores after Columbia that, bought it. That remaindered. Yeah. So that's a big bummer for them. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, this was not what the band was anticipating. Yeah. And I think 
It was demoralizing. It was demoralizing, and I think it was especially hard for Belle, mm -hmm. who had, like, put a lot of heart and soul into it, yeah. and who had sort of brought together these two pieces of, like, Chilton and then his two other band members from Icewater, yeah. like, brought them all together, and he had done, like, so much, like, technical work, and so much songwriting, and, like, put so much into it, and it you know, flopping was really hard on him. Yeah. And he ended up turning, there's like a lot of infighting and he, uh, did all these crazy things like breaking Hummel's guitar, his bass yeah. guitar and, um, and attacking their producer's car and stuff. And he ended up quitting the, he ended up quitting the band yeah. twice. Um, which is unfortunate. He had some personal problems that yeah. were not, were not strictly to do with the band, but also, yeah, you know, or his own problems. Yeah, and yeah, he was using at that time as well. He's using at that time. He was a southern gay gay man. Oh, I didn't know that. Who had trouble dealing with that fact? Mm. There's a lot of issues for him. Yeah, and then he died a few years later because he was hit by a car, or he was in a car. He accident. was in a car accident. He was driving a car oh, okay. under the influence. He was running. He was managing rest. I think he, his he came from a fairly wealthy family because they owned uh, restaurants. Oh, okay. And yeah, he was managing a restaurant for his family, and uh, one night he got drunk, and he decided to drive, and then he smashed in, smashed his car up. Yeah, sad. But uh, I do have a, um, I do have a, a CD called "I Am the Cosmos," which is like a collection of his solo material. Okay, and it's quite good actually. There's quite a few good songs on there. Yeah, like he still is a very talented guy, but yeah, he just seemed kind of lost. And he was actually on his way home from band rehearsal. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I thought he. Uh, I was still managing restaurants at that time. I'm yeah. trying to remember CD liner notes I read 20 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, I am I am the Cosmos was released in 1978, which is the same year that he died. Yeah. Yeah, so he was working at his father's restaurant and was continuing to grapple with clinical depression. Mhm. Mm yeah. Yeah, there's so, a lot of problems that uh, Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah. It's a sad end. It is. And the bad end it sadly too. They they uh broke up in 1975. Then got back together, what, 20 years later? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did some live stuff. That's, you know, that's okay. Yeah. But Alex Chilton, I think Alex Chilton was also very damaged from, from Big Star as well. Oh, yeah. Like, he didn't really continue on with a, with like a successful career either. He was later in life working as a dishwasher in New Orleans, you know. Mm. You're like, you're Alex Chilton. Why are you working? You yeah. Know? I mean, I imagine it's hard to peak at 16. You know, have like a number one hit at 16. Well, I don't even know if he peaked at 16. I mean, I think Big Star is really great. So he's obviously still peaking in his in his early 20s. But I mean, but in I terms of sort of popular yeah, thought, right? Yeah, yeah. And like there's, yeah. And just trying so hard with both number one record and their next album, Radio City. Mm -hmm. And like neither of them doing well. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard, right? Especially when you pour so much into it. Yeah. And then it doesn't work out, not even because of things you did, but because of it falling apart on someone else's end, right? Yeah, like, yeah. there's nothing you can control for that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that song. But it's a great song. <laughs> it is a great song. It's, great. You... it's a great album. Yeah. Both albums are great. I think uh, uh, Radio, Radio City ends a little lack, has it in a bit of a lackluster manner, but okay. uh, but it depends if you like kind of like slow ballads sung on a kind of... What's the last song on that one? <sighs> I can't remember now, sorry. It's okay. I can't remember. Yeah, they have like when the ends of the number, like ST. I don't know if that's the first album or the second album. It's hard to remember now. Sorry, I bought I bought 
I never bought them as records. I bought them as a CD. And it came, okay. It, I'm in love with a girl is the last song on Radio what? City. Oh, that's a great. Okay, that's a great song. Yeah. But it must be like Morpha. Morpha Two is yeah, the Yeah, that's kind of not so great. But it's September Girls, then Morpha Two, then I'm in love with a girl. Both of those oh, songs. What am are I talking great. about? That's a great ending. Yeah. Never mind. That's a great album. It is. It's so good. Yeah, both both of these. Um, but yeah, the Ballad of El Goodo was another one that that's on the first album. Yeah, that's great. Was another one that Chilton brought to the band before. Mm. Yeah. Oh, ST one hundred six. Yeah, that's right. So that's the one that Chilton and Bill wrote together. Okay. So that's the one that they actually, uh, collaborated, actually on. collaborated on, as opposed mm. to. So if you, I'm look, we're looking at it on um Wikipedia, but all the other ones are Bell, Chilton, Bell, Chilton, Bell, Hummel, Chilton, Bell, Chilton, Bell, Chilton, mm. and then Bell and Chilton. So. Yeah, um, yeah. It's too bad. They're they're both well. They're both great albums. So yeah, they are. Um, Lee, I was gonna say I bought them as a as a twofer on uh, Big Beat Records on the the CD label Big Beat. I bought uh, I bought that as a and that's the only way you could get it at that time. There's no one else. No no nope. other way to get uh, Big Star. Hmm. The good old days. That's unfortunate because they're so good. Oh yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our next also fantastic song. Okay. So this is Singing to the De- Dentist. Okay, this is a fantastic song. Um, by Jeffrey Frederick and the Clamptones. Also great. From his 1977 album Spiders in the Moonlight. Okay. So let's hear it. All right, everyone. Some of them little pills That you gave my mother for a root canal Whetstone, whetstone, won't you give me an inch No, I don't want abrasions And I really don't need shaving All
So that was uh, Singing to the Dentist by Jeffrey Frederick from his 1977 album Spiders in the Moonlight. Well, so a great song. it is a great song. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have talked about it before. We've we heard have it before. talked about how great they are and we think they're really good. Yes. They're a band that... Jeffrey Frederick's great. Jill Gross is great. Mm-hmm. She sort of disappeared. It's really strange to me because she's such a, a great singer. And it seems like it seems like she kind of disappeared in like sort of hippie, hippiedom. Like she became like... Sort of like living in a commune, as far as I can tell. Like I, I've just sort of like my investigations got me that far, but I just, you right. Know, she's not on Facebook or anything that you can like look her up. So, hmm. so yeah, it's uh, hmm. it's, it's too bad. I know yeah. that she was married to a guy who was a a saxophonist. Oh, okay. And they did a, and I think that she and he did a cover version of Alley Cat, the Jeffrey Frederick song, hmm. uh, on a uh, on a album called Saint Jeffrey's Day. <laughs> which is a tribute a tribute CD to to Jeffrey uh, Jeff, Jeffrey Fredericks with you know done by a bunch of different mostly by friends because yeah. who else knows about him right but uh, yeah it's uh, so their their version's pretty good and it's kind of it's kind of it it falls along with because uh, Teddy Dean was in the Clam Tones the the uh, sa- the the reed player he could play flute and played the clarinet and saxophone and stuff so he uh, he's well served by a guy who's a saxophonist covering that song but it's uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I really love Jill Gross, and yeah, this is like the one song on the album where you can hear Jill Gross singing, like just, she's just singing, she's not singing backup, and it's fantastic. Yeah, she's so great. It's also a really good song to sing to yourself when you're walking somewhere. Yeah, or doing laundry. Yeah, or doing laundry. Yep. Um, Alright, so I don't think we have anything else to say about this song, because we've talked it, we've talked it and Jeffrey Frederick to death. I don't think you can talk him to death, he's already dead. Okay, well, anyway, we're going to move on to Baby Britain. Oh. By Elliot Smith. Speaking of, uh. From. Elliot Smith. His 1999 album, XO. Good album. So, let's hear some Elliot Smith. Here we go. Baby Britain feels the Oh, 
So that was Baby Britain by Elliot Smith. That's true. So Elliot Smith was actually born Stephen Paul Smith. Okay. Did you know that? Wow, Steve Smith. I can see why he changed it to Elliot Smith. It's yeah. a little more stri- he, striking. He said uh, he changed it after high school or during high school because he said Steve sounded like a jock and yeah. Stephen sounded like a nerd. Or he said it sounded too bookish. Yeah. Um, but then uh, one of his high school friends... Uh, theorized that he also changed it because of a drummer named steve smith okay who's with i can't remember who i didn't write it down sonic youth no but one of those bands like that i think okay this is guessing let's see they don't have to it's all right it doesn't matter i want me to say that this is like the first elliot smith album i bought oh journey journey yeah oh okay i was way off it's not a band at all like Sonic Youth. No, it's not. I was also way off. But it does have OU in the name, so that's maybe where you we both got mixed up. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. That's what I'm going to claim anyway. That OU always messes me up. Yeah, Speaking same. Speaking of XO, what about OU? That's even worse. <laughs> um, all right, so... I'm not a fan of his first couple of albums. I think they're... Elliot Smith? Yeah, I think they're okay. I just, okay. They're just like him and an acoustic guitar. Right. Whereas I like it much better when he's got like a full band behind him. I love this album, XO, and I also love Figure 8 a lot. Oh, okay, yeah. What's next? His following album? Yeah, yeah. They're both really good. Yeah. Um, and the song is like so great because it's obviously someone who loves the Beatles. Yes. And loves the Beatles so much that he does a song that's like a Beatles song. It uses like the whole kind of triplet thing that yep. Paul McCartney kind of developed when he was doing uh, Sgt. Pepper as his new thing to, way to write songs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's getting better. Calls much the similar thing, you know. Bum, 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 It's getting, you know. That's, right. Uh, so that's very, it's just like, that's. Like, when you hear that kind of sound, you go, oh, that's the Beatles. They may have invented it, right. but they certainly made it their own. Yes. And so when you, whenever you hear someone doing that, and then, of course, they mentioned the song, they mentioned the album Revolver, mm. you know, getting mm-hmm. turned over. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And do you know what dead soldiers are? Empty bottles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. I found that out in a, in a separate way, and I went, oh, that's what that line means. <laughs> Being a non-drinker, I just, I didn't know. Yeah. Probably yeah. everyone else there was like, duh, who doesn't know that, Dave? But, I mean, it could also be... Uh, uh, 
like specific to an area. Well, it says dead soldiers lined up on the table. Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, it could be like a uh, phrase that's not Canada specific. Because I've never heard anyone say that. Oh, okay. I don't think it's Canada specific. No, I'm saying it's not Canada specific. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Maybe it's like U.S. specific. Oh, or like I see. I see. Texas area specific yeah, yeah. or Portland area specific okay. or whatever. So, um, Elliot Smith had yes. a pretty hard childhood. Okay. His parents were divorced when he was very young. Okay. He was sexually abused by his stepfather. Ugh. Um, he, yeah, his parents were, um, or his, his mom and his stepfather were very religious and he said Hmm. that it made him, um, very afraid of going to hell. The church of the molesting Christ? Yes, that that one. No, uh, they were community of Christ, but went to Methodist church. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so when he was 14, he moved, so his parents, lived, or his mom and stepfather lived in Texas. Okay. Um, so when he was 14, he moved from there to live with his father in Portland. Okay. Um, and at that time, he started using uh, drugs and alcohol pretty uh, seriously. It's a problem with Portland. It's a port city. Right. So all the sailors come in? Well, there's access to drugs. Right. That's the nature of a port city. Yes. Um, but... Elliot Smith had a hard childhood, but he was also musical from a very young age. Okay. So he first started playing instruments when he was nine. Oh. When he was ten, he composed an original piano piece and piece and won a prize at an arts festival for it. Oh, cool. Um, and also, both of his maternal grandparents were musical as well. Oh. His uh, his grandmother was in a um a choir. I see. Um, called Sweet Adeline, the Sweet Adeline Singers. Okay. Um, and that seems to be a very common name for for women uh, barbershop singers. Yes. And I believe I saw a group called the Sweet Adelines perform at one of my my dad's barbershop. Oh yeah, shows. yeah, yeah. Um, and then his uh, his grandfather was a Dixieland drummer. Huh. As well, so they, neither of them were professional musicians, sure, but they like did it for fun. Yeah, so it, it was a part. It was a big part of his life growing up. Yeah, the musical bug. Yes. Um. So cool. in and like you had no music in your life. As yeah, you grew up. exactly. That's why I don't play music now. <laughs> um. So Elliot Smith played in bands and started recording his own music in high school. Okay. Um. And then he went to university and got a degree in philosophy and political science. All right, that helped him with his musical career. Yes, it did. But he later said that he had to go to, he felt like he had to go to college right after he graduated from high school and do like the full four year degree and not take any breaks because otherwise he would never have done it. Well, that's probably true. Like he said, like if I hadn't gone to university or to college right after high school and if I had taken any time off, I wouldn't have gone back. So I had to just like do the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so after he, so at, then while he was there um, at in university, he started his band Heat Miser. Love that name. It, it is very good. Yeah. Um, and then... That just makes me think of the character from... Yes, I believe Santa that's... coming to town. I believe that's who he, uh, he's named after, or okay. who the band... I tried looking into where the name came from, and yeah. I couldn't see anywhere that said that it was from there. Yeah. But also, come but on. Come on, yeah. Come on. Um, we and, all grew up in the 70s. Yeah. Him and I, I mean, not you. Well, no, not me. But, um, and, uh, so he was in Heat, Heat Miser. Yeah. He was a university graduate with a, a degree in philosophy and political science. So, so he was in a band called Heat Miser and he wore a beret. 
Uh, no. So he did odd, odd jobs like shoveling gravel <laughs> and doing other manual labor with okay. his friend from university yeah. who, or from his college friend who was also in, in the band. Yeah. Um, but, and so then Heat Miser was signed to Virgin Records. Okay. They were okay. You yeah. know, they're semi, semi popular. Sure. But then Smith started putting out, um, started a solo career. Yeah. And he became more popular than mm. Heat Miser and it caused a lot of, sort of strife within the band sure. because the his bandmates did not like that he was doing the solo thing and you know they perceived that he was like trying to leave them behind yeah so the band broke up um and because of some weird clause in the contract um he had to stay with virgin hmm. records okay uh because that's i don't know i guess it was like heat miser and all solo yeah, yeah. acts that come out from Heat Miser sure, sure. have to stay with Virgin Records. So he did. Um, and, you know, he put out some albums. He was, he became pretty popular. He was uh, nominated for uh, an Oscar in 1998. Yes, that's right. For Miss Misery in Goodwill Hunting, yeah. which he had been approached. Uh, he'd been approached by the. F- director Gus or something Sant, yeah yeah who's, to, a, who's a portland guy so oh, okay. he would have he would have known right so yeah he was approached by the director to um to make a song for the mm-hmm. movie and he wrote a couple yeah um and miss misery was nominated for the oscar but he did not win no but he did get to perform it on the oscars actually yeah. he did not want to perform it i who well, i understand i believe that but he was told that... It certainly looked like he didn't want to perform it. He was told that if he didn't perform it, someone else will. Okay. So he said, fine. Oh, I guess I'll perform he it. He should have let someone else perform it. It would have been great to have like some big voice gal doing that song. Yeah, Celine Dion does that yeah, and then yeah. does... Yeah, that'd be good. Because Celine Dion won, or, you know, Celine Dion and the people who wrote the song, My Heart Will Go On, yeah, won yeah. the best song for 1998. That's right. Um... Because that song is much better than Miss Misery. Yeah, right? Much better. I mean, it was definitely on the radio everywhere. But didn't, didn't Celine Dion sing t- another song in that same performance, though? Because I, I remember there was an Oscars where she was singing a song for one movie, and then she ended up covering a, doing a song for another movie to hmm. fill in. It would have been funny if then she also had to do Miss Misery as well. <laughs> so she's up there doing three different songs during the, during the Oscars ceremony. That's funny. I don't know. Uh, I didn't look that much into it. Okay. So he... Oh, yeah, so I guess he performed on um, Jimmy Kimmel? No. Saturday Night Live? No. Some sort of talk show okay. before the Oscars, and he did this song there. Okay. And then he did Miss Misery at the Oscars as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't win, which at the time he didn't really say anything about. Yeah. Um, and after that, he was signed to but, DreamWorks. Okay. Which is, you know, a step up, I yeah. guess. Oh, I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> um, well, DreamWorks, the thing about DreamWorks was that you were working with Lenny Warrenker uh, as your sort of executive producer guy who was kind of overseeing all the all the artists. Right. And he was very generous as a, yeah. as a, as a you know, as a, as a, in that position. He was really, I mean, he was generous as a producer as well, but he's really generous in that situation. I mean, he's the guy who let uh, Rufus Wainwright spend like, 300 hours mm. in the studio yeah him and uh his producer uh john bryan just spent like hundreds of hours in the studio you know racking up studio time just just like basically playing around at getting a de- debut album made and he just let them do that because he felt like well if that's what they need to do in order to get the album made that's fine because you know artists are artists yeah um well yeah uh 
Elliot Smith was asked how he felt about like going commercial or like selling your soul <laughs> when you signed with DreamWorks, yeah. and he was like, he said. Um, I mean, he seemed pretty, like, oblivious of his fame. Okay. Just from quotes that I saw of him. Sure. Like, there was something he said, he, he, uh, he said, where someone asked him, like, oh, like, how are you, how do you deal with, like, your music? Um, or, like, with being so much more famous than yeah. you were when you started. And he was like, well, like, I don't know about all that. Like, I'm still just making music. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's all that I really care about is just making music. I'm still making music. And, like, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, that's all that he was paying attention to. Sure. But about being signed to DreamWorks, someone asked him this, and he said, um, he said, you know, in these corporations, the, it's all just, indiv- like, corporations are just individual people. Yeah. And at this one, the people there just want to make good music. Yeah. And, like, that's all that I care about is making good music. Mm-hmm. And they're allowing me to do that and helping me to do that. Yeah. So I don't feel like I'm selling out i feel like i'm just trying to get music made yeah right and it's like yeah and you know he made exo after being signed to dreamworks and that's a fantastic album sure is um and you can see they had extra money to do it he had money to be able to put a band together and record a proper yeah a proper album not just him and acoustic guitar like these cheap albums yeah Yeah, exactly yeah um but unfortunately for elliot smith after it, like in 1998, he started struggling quite a bit with depression. Okay. Um. So at this time, he would often talk about suicide, and at one point, he did attempt suicide by jumping off of a cliff. Okay. Well, um, but a tree broke his fall. Huh. Uh, it, it it impaled him. Oof. Um, but it broke his fall. When later oh. asked about it at an interview, he said, "Yeah, I jumped off a cliff. Let's not talk about it." Huh. Um. And there was quotes that I saw from people, people saying like, yeah, this, it was a hard time for everyone. I remember often having to go over and just sort of hold Elliot's hand and be there for, you know, five or six hours, just making sure that he was okay. Yeah. Um, it seemed like a really tough time for him. I, I don't know. I mean, he obviously had a hard childhood. Yeah. His girlfriend has said that he struggled a lot with things that happened to him in in his childhood and that using like drugs and alcohol was a way of dealing with that of coping with that sure um it's not a good, great way of coping with it no it's it's, it's not and his stepfather has always denied mm. that he was that he ever molested elliot yeah. smith yeah. um and his girlfriend will not talk about it she says that it's not her place to talk about it that it's not her story to tell mm. which i think is appropriate but it is something that elliot smith said happened to him and i feel like that's you know valid um to believe and i think that that definitely impacted him and how he lived as an adult sure uh and he died in 2001 okay right i i don't yeah i guess i don't remember now it was very shocking when because it was a shocking death i mean if as i remember him plunging a knife into his own chest seems very i don't know it just seems so like you can understand pills you can understand you know, like going peacefully, but to to do it so, with such violence. Yeah. But I guess jumping off a cliff is also being very violent as well. It, it seems is. very. Uh, it's not just. It's not just killing yourself. It's like self destruction in a way. Yeah. It's like an erasing your person person personhood too. Mm-hmm. I mean, involved in it. You know, drug and drugs using drugs and alcohol is also pretty self destructive. Yeah, it's pretty self erasing as well. Yeah. 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 Um. But yeah, it was actually in two thousand three. So four years after this album came out, he did. 
kill himself, most likely. Okay. There was some speculation at the time that it was possibly a murder. Just because well, of it seems some, so unimaginable, but yeah. Yeah, just because of some sort of things surrounding it, but his girlfriend was in the apartment at the time, in yeah. the bathroom. Yeah. Um, oh, so she murdered him. Just kidding, everyone. I just don't start, yeah. don't start conspiracy theories for me. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure that there's people out there who think that, but. Well, I mean, it's hard to deal with something like that, so you need to, like, in order to wrap your mind around it, you need to have, like, some external force to blame rather yeah. than the person. Like, the idea of, like, plunging a knife into your own chest seems so unimaginable. Twice. Twice, yeah. It just seems so, yeah. Like, so crazy that you can't, you can't even imagine. Yeah, like, the the amount of pain that you have to be in to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. He obviously was, like, a very sad person who was dealing with a lot. Yeah. Um, he was also a very talented person. Hmm. Um, and I think the song's fantastic. Yes, I agree with you. It's a great song. Yeah. So we don't need to concentrate on the negative part of his life, but on the positive part of his life, that he created some great music and he left it for us. Yes, he did. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Elliot. Um, so let's move on now to Engram by I- Carolyn Payton. Okay. From her 1972 album, Mock Up. Yes. Has the worst album cover of all time. <laughs> Apparently drawn by the studio janitor. Or by the record plant janitor when well, they brought the record to get made. Father, now you obviously have to put the record on to the or the record title on. I guess to. I will. I will have to put the record cover on because it's just it's just terrible. Do you know what it looks like? No, I'm looking it up. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, so let's listen to the, to Engram sure. by Carolyn Payton. Okay. Walls with your pictures hanging in me. There's a noose, and if I turned it loose on you, we'd go back in time. Pins are breaking, leaking, but they ain't doing your talking for you, baby. It's just a bouquet in the city, a place to stop over so you.
season for it now and I'm ready for anything you want to throw my way Turned it loose on you We'd go back in time All right, so that was Engram by Carolyn Payton from her 1972 album Mock Up, which has a, a truly, truly terrible cover. It sure does. But I suppose the cover is just a mock-up. I guess. Um, what they wanted the cover to look like. But it's not like, like. But the problem is, it's not like a mock-up of a cover. Like if you were doing that, you'd have like a photo of the band and/or the artist, you know, kind of like pretend tape to your layout paper with like some proper like font with their name, like also kind of taped or pretend glued, and you'll have like a ruler and like an exacto blade showing on the. Pe- you know what I mean? Like you have like it look like someone's taking a picture of the mock-up as it was being made in this in the graphic studio. Right. But instead what you have is a scrawled mess drawn by what sounds like... I've heard, I've read somewhere that it was drawn by the, the janitor at the record plant where it was made. You read that somewhere? You're not yeah. just making that up? Oh, I'm okay. not just making it up. Interesting. This song comes from... Uh, this so song I, is I, from Wayfaring hey, Strangers. Hey. Yeah. Step on my toes again. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just S- saying that's where I read it. So... We know the song from the <laughs> compilation Wayfaring Strangers, Ladies from the Canyon from 2006. Yeah. Which also had Window yeah, by Judy Kelly on it. Great song. Have we listened to any other songs from here yet? I think we listened to Old Man. Oh, okay. Okay. Another good song. Okay. Who's that one? Who's that one by? I don't know. Is it on your phone? No. Oh. I've got... I don't have all of them. Okay. Uh, I'd have to pull my phone out and look. That's all right. No, no, it's fine. People can go back and check it out. Okay, so, um, oh yeah, so we, Dad and I, yep. know this song from the compilation, Wayfaring Strangers, Ladies from the Canyon. That's true. But the song was first released in 1972 on her first album, Mock Up. Yeah, yes. So, Carolyn Payton, uh, it's pretty interesting. She's pretty interesting. She's pretty interesting, yeah. yeah. Well, especially her later career, I think, is yeah. more interesting, because she sang a famous part. She actually didn't. Oh, she didn't? No. Oh, it was that rumored that she did and that she didn't. I don't about? think so. I think possibly you had that mistaken. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, oh, it's oh. okay. Ah. Um, ah. it's all right. Never mind. She was she okay. Any, anyway, so don't listen to me. I'm a big fat liar. No, that's not what I'm saying. Leia Salonga played that part. Hmm. Um, but she did do voices in that and three other so um movies. Oh, okay, okay. So she just did like backup vocals. Uh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, so Carolyn Payton. Um, a church growing up was fairly standard, um, but she attended Northwestern University, and while attending Northwestern, she would often perform in Chicago. So while doing that, she met other local folk singers, uh, and eventually dropped out of university to move to Booming- Bloomingham, no, Bloomington, Indiana, Okay. Um, and began playing with a group of musicians there, sort of just like a loose group of musicians, um, but it included Mark Bingham. Uh, so... That's where she met Mark Bingham. Okay. So Bingham um, had a pre-existing music career by the time that... I thought you could say a pre-existing condition, which is kind of like a music career. It is kind of like a music career. I think he did kind of have a pre-existing condition of being a control freak. Oh, okay. But anyway, um, so he 
had a he'd already had like a music career by the time he met Carolyn Payton. Okay. Um so he had put together a large band called the Screaming Gypsy Bandits, which Peyton ended up joining. Okay. Um, he had worked as a songwriter in, and producer in New York City and in L.A. <laughs> he had been hired and subsequently fired <laughs> as an in-house songwriter and producer by Elektra Records. Okay. So he had done a whole bunch of stuff. he gotten hired and fired in many different places. Yes. New York, L.A., Elektra Records. Then he moved back to Bloomington, Indiana. Wow. Yeah. So he was on a downhill course. He sure was. And then he met Carolyn Payton. Poor Carolyn Payton. So <laughs> She was no. on an uphill course. She was. Until she met <laughs> No, I'm just joking. But so Payton and Begum worked together in mock up. Yeah. So they used their mini connections yeah. uh to record the album. So these included Payton's father's money. That's good. Um, they, the fellow musician had a studio that they were able to record in. Nice. And their friend, Kathy Canada. Oh, okay. Was related to Eli Lilly. Oh, I thought she was related to Canada and was able to use. Yes, she was able to Canada. borrow money from Canada. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll just go to my, my relative Canada yeah. and get some money from it. I don't know if Kathy Canada was a real name or if it was like a show name. No, Canada is can be a last name. Yeah. Okay. Cause there was someone else. Cause I knew, I knew a Ron Canada. Did you really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, but but there was someone else that Carolyn Payton was friends with whose name was Mary Flower, but that oh. was a fake name. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like Mary Schwartz or something, and she changed it. Who can blame her? Yeah, it's fair. Um, so I believe Schwartz is black. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Oh yeah, in German. Yeah. Okay. So, um, do you know who Eli Lilly is? They make toilet paper. He was a pharmacist. Oh. He was a famous pharmacist. I was wrong then. And he was he is probably most uh famous for for inspiring the song Mr. Pharmacist by the other half. No, he's probably oh. most famous for being the guy who said, "I think that your doctor should have to prescribe you med- medications. You shouldn't be able to just go to a pharmacy and say, "I want that." Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. He was the guy who said, "Like, let's get some regulations in here." Let's get some because re- you guys, this is bonkers and no one is controlling anything there's snake oil everywhere none of this is real okay so he was pretty great yeah but she was related to him so she had a bunch of family money because he did all that stuff and he had like a really successful um pharmaceutical company um so she was related to him yeah he's a pretty cool guy i think well yeah i mean yeah that's pretty pretty forward thinking there. yeah totally he must have had a lot of pharmacists that didn't like him, though. Oh, I'm sure he did. Um, so they used all of those various... There was, like, a movement at that time in the 1930s, though. Oh, yeah? Like, there was, like, uh, the the general surgeon of America mm-hmm. was also, like, like on, like, this, like, uh, on a vendetta or, like, a, you know, just on a course to get rid of all, like... Dentists. Not dentists, but just oh. people, like, just, yeah, people just selling, like... Oh, like snake oil salesmen? People selling opiates yeah. under, under you know, under patent medicine and... Yes. Like, trying to shut down... There used to be, like, all these radio stations that Yes. Were, you know, Most of... A lot... In Mexico and yeah, stuff. There was, yeah, there was this one guy who operated in Mexico, yeah. and he would just, like, flood the airwaves yeah. with this, like, fake stuff, and he had, like... A place you could go to. It was like a spa type place, mm. and you could go there and pay them a bunch of money. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a real, real shyster. Yeah. So this guy made it like his uh, life's crusade to. Ah, sorry, the word I was looking for was a crusade to mm. to um to eradicate to, to eradicate all, all this. patent medicine. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. Thanks, guy. That's, <laughs> well, it worked for a while. It's all back now. It's true. Did you see that? Um, that they're making a Goop TV show on Netflix. Uh. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Netflix. 
Because we really need more pseudoscience out there. We really need a platform for that. <laughs> you know, okay, for anyone who good, doesn't know... Good old out-of-date personalities. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, Goop is Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, lifestyle website. Yeah. That also um, has is... Has a magazine. And it's full of pseudoscience and um, says that you should do all these terrible things to your body that will supposedly cure it. Um, and she's a bad person. Yeah. Because it's all fake. It's all fake. And, and it's all just to make money for her. Yeah. And it is putting false medicine out there, and it could seriously harm people. Um, and if not yeah. harm them, at least at least have the bad effect of, of them not getting proper medicine and, yes. and getting, getting cured. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yep. But Gwyneth said... Gwyneth said that vaccines will give my kids autism. Did she say that? No. Okay. But like... Let's not say that then. Yeah. I don't want to get sued by Gwyneth <laughs> She doesn't listen to this. Come on. Come on, Dad. Okay, anyway. So, um... Well, before she does, I'm going to change the name of the show to Poop. <laughs> so then the uh, court case... If... Goop fee poop. If she is going to sue anyone right now, yeah. it is going to be Ryan Johnson. Oh, really? For Tony Collette's character in... Oh. Um, and Knives <laughs> Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a good... <laughs> I can't remember what her... Uh, her character's company's name was, yeah. but it was something like Goop. Yeah, yeah. It was Goop adjacent. Okay, so um, they used these various... Good, good movie, by the way, everyone. Yes. Go, go see Knives Out if you haven't already. I saw it last week, and I wish that I had seen it uh, before then so that I could have seen it a second time when I saw it the other day. <laughs> um, it would be worth, worth watching again. Yeah. It's at Cottonwood now, but you have things to finish. I got things to do. Okay, so... People to see. Yes. Well, no. Goats to milk. Hmm. I don't think so. Do we have goats? Okay, I'll take that off my agenda. We've got chickens. I don't know I why I wrote it down. you can milk them. I was just trying to anticipate things. Okay. Um, all right, so they use these various connections yep. to record and release mock-up. Okay. So they released it on... So it was on, a self, self-produced album. Yes, on their... Which is why it's on Wayfaring Strangers, Ladies of the Canyon, because that, yes. that, that CD is strictly a collection of artists that were not on major labels, that mm-hmm. were just either... Funded by their, you know, by, by their church to do a, like a small album, you know, right. that was sold within the church, or by family. their friend Kathy Canada, or by their friend Kathy Canada and uh, Carolyn Payton's father, who are very wealthy people, you know. But I mean, it's still self-produced, though. It's not put out by Electra no. Records or no. whoever else fired Mark Bingham. Stacks. Oh yeah, Electra Records fired Mark Bingham. Yeah, they did. Okay, <laughs> so um, uh, um. Oh yeah, so their uh, their record that they put this out on was called Bar BQ. Okay. Records. Oh boy. Yeah. So, um, so on this album, Peyton sang and played guitar. Bingham played guitar and wrote the songs. Yeah. And um, another friend who was a jazz um, pianist student. Yeah. At the nearby university in um in Bloomington, Indiana. Yep. yep. Uh, played piano. Okay. So, following the release of Mock Up, Peyton and Bingham had an audition with Columbia Records, mm. which they did not pass. They failed. What? They didn't take them on. But Peyton was called afterwards, and he, the guy who interviewed them was like, you were great. Keep keep it up. So, what are you saying? Let's get rid of Mark Bingham. Yes. So, um, Peyton has expressed some displeasure with the album. Okay. Um. So she was very young at the time, right? Like she had just dropped out of university. She was probably like around 20. Yeah. Um, and she's, so she, this is like a direct quote. She said, I didn't know what I wanted and I needed to find my own voice. 
Uh, my frustration with Mark Bingham was that he was so anti-establishment. I don't think he ever rewrote anything. It was all stream of consciousness. People ask me what Engram means, and I say, I don't know what it means now, and I didn't know when I was singing it, and I'll never know what it meant. What's well, a Scientology term. Is it? Yeah, Engram. That's what you're getting rid of. Oh. When you go hmm. when you get clear, you're getting rid of engrams. So he may have been he may have just picked it up because in those days Scientology was not like the kind of major force that it is now. Yeah, well, not major force, but just the it wasn't like Very it was sort of unknown. Yeah, right. so people like there'd be like these you know storefront Church of Dianetics where you could go in and get tested. And I think it was just sort of part of the time where people, you know, people knew about, um, um, what's it called? S- I can't remember what's called, but it later became the forum, but I can't think of the name of it. it was in the sixties or the seventies, but there were various kind of like sort of very culty, uh, self-help programs you could go oh, into yeah. and they you know they're very much about getting with about stripping your wallet bare but also right. you know full of again related to our and, patent medicine yeah, and yeah. conversation very very pseudoscience and stuff and this guy if he was sort of anti-authoritarian may have may have had a certain amount of interest in scientology but also probably as, as a, if he was really you know hard to control he would have, would have been of no interest in scientology yeah in that way because he just would have been too too unruly yes it's a great song though whatever it, oh, means, it is it's great it is great i have a later album by her but i don't think it's that which good which one the one that she released in 2014 no no it's a 70s one. Oh, okay and i don't think it's that great though i think it's kind of bland whereas this song is fantastic it, this song is very good mm-hmm. and i feel like maybe what she wanted was to be a more commercial singer which is not what I'm interested in that much, you know? Like, unless you're doing something really superlative, and it's just not my thing. Right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, well, let me talk a bit about her career continuing through yeah. her life. Sure. Um, so she was, she did, like, a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah. So they were turned down by Columbia. Yeah. Right? So, um, so she kind of stuck around with Bingham. So she joined his... Uh, Screaming Gypsy Bandits okay. group. They put out a couple albums there. Yeah. Um, she put out a couple other albums that he wrote. Um, or like ones that were like compilations of different um, artists that they had on barbecue records. Okay. Which I imagine were mainly just their friends and like fellow musicians from around the Bloomington area. Mm. Um, and... Uh, and then she also did a bunch of, she did work for movies. Okay. So we, uh, alluded to that earlier. She yeah. was in, um, four different, uh, Disney movies. I see. Doing like backing vocals for that. Okay. Or, yeah, recorded vocals for Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay. So in none of, none of those was she like the lead, um, like Voice? female. Okay. Uh, character's singing voice. I see. But she was just sort of like a singing voice yeah. that would yeah. be in that. Okay. Right? Um, and yeah, she did, you know, a bunch of stuff like that. Just sort of uh, recorded a collection of Celtic Christmas songs on the Green Hill label, um, you know, etc. Uh, but in 2014, she released her first ever self-written album. I see. So she had never written anything herself before then. Huh. So before then, she'd always been working with Bingham, who yeah. wrote all the songs. Sure. Or she was an interpreter of other people's songs. Or she was an interpreter of other people's songs. Or, yeah, she was working for yeah Disney or whatever and doing their songs. Cool. But yeah, in 2014, she finally got the opportunity to, or felt sort of able to um, put out her own solo album. Sure. I have not listened to it. No, I don't, don't know it either. But good for her. Yeah. 
Good job. Um, good job, Carolyn Payton. Way to go. Yeah. I hope she called it Payton Place. It's... No, she did not call it that. Oh. That's... That's what? It's called Home Seekers Paradise. Okay. Not quite as good as Payton Place, but okay. But it was released on her own... Um, on what I assume is her own record label, Paytunes. Okay. P-E-Y. Yeah. Tunes, as in Payton. Sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's a very good song. Yeah. Yeah. I love that song, yeah. It's, it's uh, so good. It's very good. Yeah. It's very much in the Joni Mitchell vein. Uh, vein, yes. Yes, hence being on uh, Wayfaring, Wayfaring Strangers. Strangers. And Ladies of the Canyon. Ladies from the Canyon. Ladies from the Canyon. Um, so next song, we'll listen to now. Okay. Sorry. So... The next song is Wear em Out ah. by the Mohawk Lodge okay. from their 2007 album Wildfires. All right. Let's give this a, this is a, this, is a uh, this song has got some uh, get up and go. Sure does. So let's give it a listen. Let's hear it.
So that was Wear Em Out by the Mohawk Lodge. Yeah. Um, from 2007 album Wildfires. Yeah. So, um, this is a Canadian band. This is a great song, by the way. It is a great song. Yeah. Yes. It's just a lot of yelling. Which it I is. Re- I really like. It is. This is a good stomping, yelling. Yeah. Yes. Go for it song. Yes, it is. So, uh, this is a Canadian band. He's from Vancouver. Sure. It, Mohawk Lodge is possibly named after an apartment building in Vancouver. Oh, really? But I actually couldn't find any evidence for that. Oh. Uh, but there is an apartment building in Vancouver called the Mohawk Lodge. Oh, really? Yes. I'm so, sh- it probably is. Yeah. In that case. Um, but this band is really just a guy named Ryder Havdale. Okay. It's one of those bands where it's really just like that one guy. Yeah. Kind of like... Boy. Boy. Sure. For their first album. Yeah. But this one is... Even their second album, really, because he wrote all the songs. Well, yeah, but he had those other guys. I know, but the band wouldn't exist without him. Well, no, but like... It's different, say, like a band like Big Star, where you have like lots of people contributing to what it is. But... Right. But I mean, you could also say Big Star wouldn't exist without Alex Chilton, because without Alex Chilton, it was just Ice Water. Yeah, but, I'm just, but everyone contributed to what Big Star was. Right. Whereas, how many guys are writing for Mohawk Lodge? Well, it's just Ryder Havdale. It's yeah. just him. Yeah. It's just him. Oh, you mean, oh, he's doing all the instruments and stuff? No, well. no, he, like, gets other people to come yeah, in and yeah. play an instrument. Okay, okay, And then they'll leave. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have, like, a set band. Oh, I see. Whereas Boy has, like, those four guys. Sure, okay, I see Who were, like, playing with, but him is just him. Yeah. He gets his friends to come in. Yeah. And they play some album, or play some instruments. Okay. For one song, and yeah. then they, you know, they leave. Okay. Um, so. Were they, were they based here in Vancouver for a while? They were, okay. yes. So okay. I'll talk about that. Um, so he is one of those guys, one of those people yeah. who's in a bunch of bands. Well, that's just the life of Vancouver. And he's like, oh, this, I have these ideas for some songs, yeah. but they didn't really match the sound of my other band. So I'll just create a new band. <laughs> and then his other bands fell apart. Mm-hmm. And then he started, or then he sort of focused more full time on the Mohawk Lodge. Hmm. Um, and earlier... I had incorrectly said that Cause had been arrested. Okay. Ryder Havdale was arrested. Oh. Because um, w- the reason that one of his bands fell apart yeah. is because he found his girlfriend in bed with the bass player from one of the bands he was in. That's a low... That's almost as bad as being in front of bed with a drummer. <laughs> it is, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I mean... Uh, she was using the rhythm me- method. All right. So he was... Um, arrested, and he was actually arrested in Point Roberts. Oh, really? Yes. So he he ran across the border. Well, but to I, a place that does, has no no access to the rest of America. I'm not sure if they were in Point Roberts when it happened. Oh, okay. So for people who aren't from here, yeah, Point Roberts is super 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 weird. It is kind of weird. It's super weird. Okay, so what happened is, um, the Canadian border, uh, through the west. Yeah. Was being put in, yeah. and it was very contentious. Fifty-four forty or fight. Yes, fifty-four forty or fight. People wanted the border here, and they wanted the border here, and they wanted it more north, and they wanted it more south. And BC wanted the mouth of the Columbia River. Yeah, hence British Columbia. Yeah, um, America wanted like half of British Columbia. Yeah, they wanted all that. Yeah, they settled in the middle, right? <laughs> They did that. Good old Canadian compromise. Good old compromise. Um, because of the way that they put it in as just like a line. Yeah. So if you look at a map of the border between Canada and the States, back east, yeah. where there is an, an older uh, sort of history of European settlement there, yeah. it is a much more 
uh, it's a border that works with the landscape more. There are some towns that have the border through it, though. There are some towns that have the border through it, yes. Yeah. But um, sort of the big things like lakes and stuff, yeah. those are worked around. Yeah. When it came to the West, yeah. they did not care about that yeah, this- because every single person who was deciding this did not live here. Yeah. They lived back East. Yeah, okay. They were like, we're looking at a map and we're going to put a line on this map. Yeah. We do not care what it does. Yeah. Um, one thing that that did was cut uh, Vancouver Island in half. Well, not in half. Yeah. But they cut off like the bottom third of Vancouver Island. Yeah. Which was very big because it also had the capital of British Columbia. Yeah. Of course, Canada gets that. Yeah. But then it also cut off this tiny little piece of the mainland, yeah. which kind of dips down a little bit more south, yeah. and uh, the border would have gone right across it. And they said, well, how are we going to do this? Like, do these people live in America or do they live in Canada? Because you cannot get to America from here. Yeah. You can get to Canada. You, If you want to get to the rest of America, you have to drive into Canada. Yeah. And go, like, what, like, 40 minutes to yeah. uh, Peace Arch border crossing in That's Surrey. Right. Yeah. Like, go through, like, Richmond and Vancouver. Go through into Surrey. Go you, don't through go the... through, you don't have to go through Richmond and Vancouver. You just have to go through Delta. Oh, we have to go through Delta. Oh, sorry. Delta, sorry. Surrey. Then in... You have to go through right. Delta and then into Surrey and then yeah. through Peace Arch across the border. Yeah. That's how you get. You, get, you Or you can take a boat. Yeah. You can't just go from, like, it's so weird. You yeah. have to look at it on a map. Um <laughs> And they were like, well, what are we going to do? So they let the people who live there vote. Yeah. And the majority of people voted that they wanted it to be American. Okay. So it's American. Yeah. But it's not connected to anything. Yeah. Kids who live there have to take a bus yeah. through another country to get to school. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so weird, you guys. It you have weird. to look at a map. Point Roberts. Okay. So <laughs> he was arrested in the states essentially okay because point roberts is technically the states Mm -hmm. so that was like weird and bad for him right yeah um and i think he felt like he'd kind of just burned all of his bridges like he was in trouble with the police across the border he had like his girlfriend was cheating on him with his bandmate and probably his friend he just needed to get out of vancouver so he left vancouver and moved to toronto Mm. um Pretty desperate, obviously. <laughs> I know. Um, but then the other thing was he had a record label that okay. he was releasing um, Mohawk Lodge on. Yeah. And he had other bands. He had a fair amount of other bands signed to it. I think there was like, I don't know. I think he's, I don't know. He's got a bunch of other bands on it. And a yeah. lot of them are based in Toronto. Okay. So he was like, well, I guess I should move there because that's where my bands are based. Sure. So he lived there for a little while. Um, and then he went to... Uh, Berlin. Ah. And decided to live in Berlin. And he, so he was living in, Ber- I don't know if he's still living there. Something that people have been what? doing for the last little while. But he, for quite a while, he was living in a notorious punk squat mm. in Berlin called Schokaladen. 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 Chocolate. What? Chocolate. Really? Yeah. Oh. So that is in uh, Berlin. Hmm. So he's been living there for a while, yeah, or perhaps still lives there. It's weird. There's a few musicians that have moved there, and I guess it's sort of a rootless place that you can okay. you can go to, and like if you're like a musician that has no connections to anything, right? What the heck? But it's weird, like because um, the main guy from uh, that band, the uh, describe it, the uh, Brian Jamestown Massacre, I think they're called. No, they were like kind of a '90s band. He okay. moved there. 
And then uh, I think Stephen Malkmus moved to Berlin recently. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. It's strange. It's just like a weird sort of thing to do. Yeah. You know what? But maybe he's more popular in Europe, perhaps. So maybe that makes yeah. more sense for him to be centered there than here. Well, yeah, cause I know that... Um, he's like, Berlin's more preferable than Portland. I'll yeah. That right now. Yeah. Because I know that Ryder Havdale had done a, did a tour there. Yeah. Or he did like a few tours there. Mm. And he was like, I really like it here. I'm just going to stay here. Okay. And, you know, Have he's... Have seen Suspiria? He's got... <laughs> he does have some like punky sounds. Yeah. And, I mean, Vancouver has, like, a pretty good punk scene, too. Um, but he obviously, again, burned those bridges. Burned the bridges. Also, Vancouver is impossible to live in if, as a musician. True. That's why you're in 400 bands. Yes. And also, hoping. you and also realistically, he probably lived with that bandmate and his girlfriend. Yeah, and two other guys. And No, dad, he, like eight other guys. And they all live in the same closet. And they all, yeah, and he, like, rented a uh, closet under the stairs <laughs> for $150 a month like Harry Potter. He slept, which, a, he slept on an ironing board. Yes. I knew someone who lived, or I knew someone who had someone living in their house in the closet on the stairs for okay. $150 a month. Wow. In the oldest punk house in Vancouver. Mm. It's wow. not operational anymore. Nope. Probably being turned into t- condos as we speak. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I was waiting for someone in Vancouver the other day, and I got a notice put on me that I was going to be made into condos. Oh, did you? Yeah. I was just <laughs> you got one of those, like, standing too develop- long the same spot. Yeah. Those development propositions yeah, put Yeah, like the permits are there. Yeah. No- notice of... Uh, a proposed development. Yeah. It's like, what? What's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think the song's very good. Wear them out. Can I just tell you that I think you have the weirdest, the weirdest song orders on your, on your mix, on your mixes. Why? I don't know. This doesn't make any sense to me. Why? Well. What would make more sense? Well, for one thing, you start off with like a quiet song at the beginning of, okay. of your. Yes. So you don't really. You don't have like a big like in your face kind of start to your. No, to it's your... not a. It's not that kind of mix. But you know, like a mix needs something like you start with a bang. You just can't start with like. Oh, we're just starting. Boy is it, or Black Cat is a great song. It is a great song, but it's not. I don't know if it's like a starting song. It is. And then, and then you also like. I don't know. I guess it's because you have a lot of quiet songs. So you don't have a lot of choice. But it feels like you have some songs that are like really loud, and then they uh-huh. really go into like a quiet song. Yeah. Like you don't have like a couple of loud songs and then you kind of go back into. No, quiet I've got like one lo- loud sound song yeah, on this yeah. whole entire half. Mix. It's like you were having a nap. Yeah. Someone shook you awake, mm-hmm. and then you went back and had a nap again. It's just really weird. I don't know. It's just a weird thing. But and I, then and then it kind of just sort of peters out. What do you mean? Like the uh, side the peters end? out. Yeah. Or the side peters out. The side peters out. What? This song is very good. It's okay. Okay. It's not a greatest song. It's just sort of a weird choice. All right. Just saying. Okay. I'm just That's fine. giving my two cents. That's all right. That's what you asked for, right? I'm just, but, you said, okay. Dad, I want, I want your two cents from this. But also, again... I want five I, cents worth of your two cents. I yeah. did not develop this thinking this is side one, this is side two. Yeah, I know. I know. So... It's a mistake. And also, again, I told you when we were going into this, this is a very melancholy mix. <laughs> Even this song is pretty... Um, what? Rare mode is melancholy? Yeah. It sounds really exciting. Why, why is it? Because you're dying? Song, is it about death? Yeah. The whole song is about your body wearing out and falling apart. Yeah, but that's but it's like a celebration of the fact that that's what happens to you. The reason it wears out and falls apart is because you're using it. Yeah. You're using it to its utmost. Yeah. You're like taking advantage of this body. Right. Don't just like take it for granted. Take advantage of it. Right. That's kind of celebratory mm, to me. I don't know. Still pretty melancholy, concept-wise. <laughs> okay. But it's reality. All right. There's something re- shouldn't, melancholy. Shouldn't, well, I guess reality is pretty melancholy. Reality is pretty melancholy, Dad. All right. So next song. You're right. Is I'm depressed now. Gone beat. That's what. That's the whole point. I'm gonna of this. go into the corner and play my clarinet for a little while. Whole, feel better. It's the whole point of this. That's the whole point of this playlist, Dad. 
Dad, you're making our listeners even more depressed with their with your clarinet, their sad clarinet music. Um, okay, so the next song is Gone Beyond. Did you say my listeners or your listeners, Mary? What? You said you're making your listeners. No, it's... I thought I said our. Oh, I'm sorry. Our. Our. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Gone Beyond by Akron slash Family from their 2006 album Meek Warrior. Mm, good album. So, let's hear this song. Sure, I love this song. So that was Gone Beyond by Akron Family. Speaking of death. Speaking of death. So 
This is a super lefty band from New York City. <laughs> is that right? Specifically Williamsburg, of course. Ah, yes. Good old Brooklyn. Yes. So this uh, band formed around um, a group of people that were hanging out around uh, Gimme Coffee. Okay. Which is the leftiest coffee shop in the world. Oh, really? Yes. Well, I don't know if it's... I don't know. I'm, I'm giving it that title. Okay. So it works with specific farmers in Latin America. I see. Uh, gives them pre, um, price premiums and helps them get certifications and awards. Wow. Which is super cool. Mm. Um, they are also working with a renowned American research institute to map the Arabica... Arabica yeah, Arabica. Yep. Bean genome and make it less susceptible to disease. Oh. They also have the first known barista union. Huh. Wow. Yeah. So. You, but you think the way baristas act that they already had a union. They do not. Oh. They can be fired at any point. Oh. For any reason. But not for facial jewelry. No. Well, no. That's. There's this. There's. I don't know if they have it in. Um, on American Netflix. Yeah. But there's this very good sketch comedy show that oh, I've been Baron watching. Oh, sketch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's this very good sketch where this woman walks into like a trendy coffee shop and yeah. she's like on her phone and she's ordering and she's like, ah, uh, yeah, I'll get a grande Americano. And then everyone looks at her and she's like, no, I'm at, I'm at medium. I don't go there. I'm one of you. I'm one of you. And they're all like pointing at her and she's like, I don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Hmm. Um, okay, so Akron family. So yes. yeah, so they formed around this uh, gimme coffee shop in Williamsburg. Okay, so it was like people hanging out around here. They mm-hmm. formed this band. Yeah. Um, so it's like four guys who are in this band. Um, they they did break up a little bit after this album, though, didn't they? Uh, like I think one of the members left. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Okay. Um. So sorry. That's okay. That's okay. You're just jumping ahead, Dad. I'm sorry. I'm trying to prove how much you know <laughs> about how they're okay. Anyway, um. So Akron family sent a whole bunch of demos to Michael Gira. Oh yeah, of the head, Swans. Uh, yes, of the Swans, head of Young God Records, mm. which is an independent record label that specializes in experimental and avant-garde music. Yes, that is very much their thing. Yes. I'll say right now that you will not be hearing many swan songs on this. Uh, right. I own one swan's record. Oh, yeah. Is it? It's just not my thing. Yeah. Um, it's not to my taste. Right. People like them a lot. Swans? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know why. I was I was looking up Young God Records. I wasn't sure why Akron family sort of chose this specific record label yeah. to go with. I tried to see if they were like um sort of politically aligned with them yeah or something just because that does seem to be this band's whole thing which we'll get into even more later but i think the band sound especially at this time was more avant-garde than- right so they felt like this was a good choice for them yeah yeah um so yeah like this song is pretty this song is like the, pretty tame pretty tame compared to most of their stuff like a right. lot of their stuff is sort of a lot of banging on things yeah and, that's fair that's yeah. fair um, I, mean, I like it, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's a partic- it's, it takes a particular taste. Yeah, to, it's not it's not normie music. You're trying to say, yeah, it's not something that people generally yeah. walk out the door to, right? Buy, um, buy in the store. Yeah. So their first album was culled from several albums worth of material recorded in the band's Brooklyn apartment. Okay. Um, and so it's all really quiet. Yeah. <laughs> All, all or has a lot of like banging that's like a broom sound. <laughs> that's right. They have Quiet down. A percussive sound of a broom <laughs> on a ceiling on their on their song Whispers Number Five. 
Um, so they have also done extensive touring and played on two albums as the backing band for Michael Gira in his project Angels of Light. Okay. Which seems to frequently use musicians signed his label. Uh, oh, okay. Makes yeah. sense, though. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems kind of like Angels of Light kind of seems like, I'm Michael Gira, and here's a bunch of people who are signed by label, yeah. and we're going to play this together. Sure. Um, uh, who can blame him? Who can blame him? So, Meek Warrior... Um, their album for 2006, uh, possibly may come from a concept in Buddhism. Okay. Where the first step on a warrior's path is to become meek. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Doesn't sound like a recipe for success, but okay. No, it does not. But I mean, Buddhists are not known for being warriors. No. Um, Especially with that first step. Especially with... Well, yeah. The next step is to put your sword down. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of... I don't know why there's there's no Buddhist warriors around anymore. (laughs) We followed all the steps. Yeah. Um, So, and then, oh, and then this is, so uh, that's what, so Wikipedia said it's possible that this comes from this Buddhist thing. But I think it's pretty likely, considering one of the um, original four members of the band left in 2007 to move to a Buddhist Dharma center in the Midwest. Oh, okay. Um, Is that why he left? Yes. Wasn't that he wasn't getting along with his bandmates? No. Who he lived with. I, All four I, of them. Yeah, I saw them. Did you? Yeah, they came when? and played in town for, around this album, around oh, 2006. Okay. okay. And it was the first time that I saw a bunch of young men with beards. Oh, and you were like, what is this? And I was like... You were like, is... do these men hang out at a, cof- a really well, lucky coffee shop? Like? I was like, oh, I've never seen... Like, like this is before beards were popular. And right. so, And so I was thinking to myself, I was thinking, oh man, I should grow a beard. <laughs> because I'll be right... On the cusp of this right. trend that's coming. This is obviously going to be a trend, but I can't really grow a beard, so I didn't. Mm, yeah. And uh, I kind of regret it, actually. I should have just given it a try, even though I would have, like, I would patchy. look like someone who had bits of hair glued to his face. <laughs> but still, I would have been right on the cusp of that trend, and I could have just, I could have bro- bragged about it. Just the same way when I grew long hair. I was just, grew long hair just before it became popular. Right. And then I lost it all. But. For that brief moment, I had I had that beautiful long hair. You know, your mama says that you would. Your mama says, yeah, that you would lose your head if it wasn't screwed on. Yeah, but you managed to lose your hair, yeah. even though it was essentially screwed on. Yeah, that's, I know that's how careless I am. Yeah, so just saying. Oh yeah, but um, but yeah. So Akron family is no longer together. Oh, they're on an indefinite hiatus. Okay, that means they broke it. Yeah, so they're um <laughs> they're. Uh, members are currently all pursuing solo projects, sure. with the exception of um, Buddhist Dharma fellow yeah, who yeah. is no longer part of the group. Yeah, um, but they are living in Portland, okay, Joshua Tree, okay, California, yeah, and L.A. Hmm. I think, or was it San Francisco? Let me check. No, L.A. Yeah, L.A. seems more likely. Yeah, no one can afford to live in San Francisco. True. Yeah, you don't move from New York to San Francisco. <laughs> you don't. Move. No, that's true. Yeah, not anymore. Um. But I just thought that those places got a job with are... Google. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, yeah, so that's Akron Family. That's a really good song. I really it like is. It, it yeah. is a very good song. And like it's... I say, it's not like so, so totally typical of their sound. Right. But it's a very it's a nice, yeah, nice song. It kind don't... of represents their, their Buddhist... Uh... Yeah, don't go into Meek Warrior expecting every song to sound like this one. Because yeah. I did that, and I was disappointed. <laughs> but Healing Force is such a great song. Right. Is that what it's called? Healing Force? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move on to the next song. Yeah, Unless sure. you have more to say about No, Akron I was Family? just trying to think of that, what that song was called. Okay. But, like, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so this next band we've heard from before. Okay. So this is the Baydard Lakes. 
Bannard Lakes, yeah. I like With them. their song Disaster. Ah. From the Bannard Lakes Are the Dark Horse from 2007. Yeah, so we played For Agent 13. Yes. And now we're hearing the opening song from yes, this. Yes, so For Agent 13 CD. is the second song. Yeah. This is the first song. Yeah. So let's let's hear it. All right.
Right, but I just want to say that I resent you. Uh, I resent you playing this song. Swooping in that and came stealing before this. my became came just before the song that I played. And I'm like, oh, it's, Dave, your song is number two. Mine's number one. <laughs> yes. Um. So it's a good song, though. It is a good song. Yeah. We've talked about this this band. We've talked about this album. This 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 song this song's a little different though because. But- there is one thing I want to say about Oh, okay, you say it. So that thing is first. that yes. um, Olga Gorius does not do the vocals on this song. Did you know that? Olga or Oleg? Olga. The bass player? No, the... It's, it's usually it's usually Jace Lasik that does the singing on the songs. He sings in, a, in his falsetto. No, they usually both sing on them. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, so they usually both sing on every song, except for this one and oh. Devastation. Okay. So on this one, Jace does all the vocals. Oh, okay, okay. And then on uh, Devastation, Olga does all the vocals. Mm. But most of the time, they both, per- okay, they both participate. Okay, okay. Yeah. What were you going to say about it? I was just going to say, because for this one album, which is unfortunate, it was this one album, they had a young lady in the band who was uh, was an, an arranger. Oh, okay. And so she brought her keyboard and talents, but she also brought her arrangement abilities oh, as well. Oh, yeah. So she was so arranging the The song, the strings and stuff, and stuff like yeah. that, yeah. So th- this song, to me, has a real like Beach Boys sound to it. Not just oh, in the okay. falsetto, but it, in the the arrangements have a, like, uh, especially when it gets quiet and you can hear the guitar and, and stuff, it has a real kind of like mid mid to late 60s Beach Boys sound right. in that way it's, way it's arranged. But I think it's a, yeah, it's a great song. And um, I've heard that this album, in an interview with, with LASIK, that it's, it's a concept album about spies, but... Having read through the lyrics, I don't really see the story, but that would no. be the, that would be your typical concept album that it doesn't right. play any together anyway. So yeah, it seems like everyone says that. And then you read the lyrics to the songs, you're like, "Well, I don't see any connection." Yeah, you can say there's a connection, but I think you're making it up. Yes. Um. So I don't think we have anything more to say about that song. And speaking of concept albums, besides the fact that it's great. Speaking of concept albums, yes. Let's move on to our next song. Is it a concept album? Yes. I th- I think it would be a a, a leftovers from a concept album. Concept it's also album. a concept album. Oh, okay. Okay. I believe. Okay, so, well, I don't know. So this song is the Henny Buggy Band yep. from Sophie Ann Stevens' fantastic 2006 album slash compilation album, yeah. The Avalanche. From the park, when Dakota ran and brought you there In the car, when your mother lost her temper The catwalk and the catastrophic smile Let the bugles play, the sermon on the raid I kissed you on the face, I kissed you on the playground Illinois, in the rent from the Ronald Reagan tollway. 
disguises Oh, Father John, you cannot tell me What's right and wrong, you cannot tell me In the mortal life, far in the morning light We're back from Bloomington, we let the runners win Far in the morning light, we let the movies play And we can drum the holiday That was the Henny Buggy Band by Sofiane Stevens. What do you think it's okay? So this is the song I was complaining about. This is the final song on this side. And again, the sides. I just feel like were it's, I feel made like it's kinda... up by Dad. Yeah. Because I did not make sides. You could have ended <laughs> with the next song. Yeah, the next song is such a great beginning song. Which yeah. I think, I think you're right to put it at the beginning of the of the next side. Yeah. So no, this is fine. This is this song kind of. It's a, it's good. I mean, it's a good song. It's a weird album though because. I mean, obviously, he was, like, at the peak of his writing powers at that oh, point in yeah. his career. Like, yes. He basically wrote, like, a really, really long album with Illinois. Let come feel the Illinois. Yeah. His uh, Illinois, Illinois has, album. like, 23 or 25 songs on it. It's yeah, a long album. It's a long album. And then... And basically self-made. Yes. Basically self-produced. Oh, self, yeah. Self-made. Most yeah. instruments played by himself. Yes. On his Pro Tools. Yeah. And then he... But he had so many... Yeah, and then extra he went tracks from, and outtakes and from stuff like that, that album, and he had so much stuff left over that he was able to make a whole second album yeah. just about Illinois. Yeah, continuing it, yeah. Which is this one. Yeah. So, um... And these are songs that didn't quite fit the yes. theme of the first yes. album. which is fair, because if you listen through to Come On, Feel the Illinois, yeah. it every song flows together so nicely, mm-hmm. um, and I can totally... I think the songs on the Avalanche are great, and I also understand why they didn't fit on Illinois. Yeah. And they're um, fine on their own album anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I think this, and I mean, I think especially if you compare this song to The Greatest Gift. Yeah. Uh, or not this song, this album to The Greatest Gift. Yeah. Which is a later compilation album of his. Yeah. This album is much stronger. Okay. I think. I've never heard The Greatest Gift. You've never heard The Greatest Gift? Oh, uh, it's very good. I thought that I sent you the zip file. It, no, you sent me a link for it, but I wouldn't, I couldn't download it. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to try again then. Yeah. Um, so, uh, because I bought it on Bandcamp, everyone. That's, what, that's the reason we were trying to... So, uh, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I think this song's... Okay, it's not my favorite song from this album. What's your favorite song from this album? The one about Billy getting a chad flap his nose. Oh. Is it called Billy caught a chad fly? It's not called that. What's it called? No, The Witch of... What's it called? Something... The Witch of... I can't remember what it's called now. I'm sorry. I just hear the lyrics to it. It's a lot of songs I just listen to, you know, when I'm driving, and so... I don't know the title of them. Those days are long past where I would lay on the couch in my parents' living room, staring at the record sleeve while I listen to the records. Well, you don't do that anymore? I miss those days. I'll tell you that right now. 
uh, Springfield, or sh- Bobby got a shadow fly up his nose. There you go, that's one. And the one that you, the other one you were thinking of was the Mistress Witch from McClure, which is the next song. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a oh, the, so many songs on that album are great though. Yeah. It's just fantastic. It's just a crazy. It's a crazy thing that you can two years you could put out two fantastic, fantastic albums. Album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. Um, and then I also wanted to say that speaking of concept albums, yeah. This song has a couple references to Illinois-specific things, mm-hmm. including the Lincoln Parkway, yep. which is an Illinois-specific thing. Okay. And um, this song is called the Henny Buggy Band. Yeah. The song itself doesn't really have anything to do with the Henny Buggy Band, mm. um, but the Henny Buggy, the Henny Buggy Company, yeah, was a company that made carriages. Okay. Started out making carriages. Yeah. It was from uh, Stevenson County, Illinois. Sure. Um, and they made, yeah, they made carriages and then later cars. Okay. And at one point, they were one of the most well-known funeral car manufacturers in the USA. Oh, really? Yes. They made the hearse? They made hearses, yeah. Okay, wow, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I think, I'm sure Sufjan liked that. Also, okay, I looked up Henny Buggy Company, or Henny Buggy Band. Yeah. And then Henny Buggy Company. Yeah. And I found this website that had, like, 18 pages worth of, like, bio about the Henny Buggy Company. Okay. And I was like, oof. <laughs> brother, I'm not reading this. It doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. And this guy was like, I know everything about the Henny Buggy Company. Let me tell you everything about it. Huh. And it was like, here's who started it. And then here's what his son did. And then here's what his grandson did. And then here's what his great-grandson did. And then this, and then this, and then that, and then this thing. And then also this, and then also this. And you're like, oh my god, it's okay. We don't need to know this much. What a company that made cars. <laughs> well, he thinks you do. I guess so. So, I guess you do. I guess you do. So, if you want to read all that, you can look up the Henny Bucky Company. Yeah. And I think it's probably, like, the only thing that'll come up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's great. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a really good mix, dear. Thank you. As I said to you, I, I don't know if we said it at the beginning of the show, but you, you've you stepped on my toes in a few of these songs, and I yes. resent that greatly. Good. I'm glad. But, <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with hearing the songs again. Like It's true. We, I mean, we... Especially songs that are so good. Two of the songs on here, we had already heard. Yeah. And I'm not mad at you for doing that. For stepping <laughs> on my toes. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's big of you. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. All right. Well... Um, um, I'll stop the show now so that I can go back to coloring. Oh, yeah, let's do that. So, um, hey, Dad. Yes. Do you want to tell people how they can reach us? Mary? Yes? I will, but you know what? I, I forgot my uh, forgot my shirt oh in the bathroom. Oh, my God. So, I'm going to run there. So, just give me one second, and then I'll come back and I'll do it right away, okay? Ugh. So, I'll be right back. Okay. I am the Dave 3000. I have come here to do the end of show announcements. Okay. How can they reach us? People, Mary? Yes. My daughter? Yes. People can reach not, us. What? Okay. You're not my dad. You're a robot. I feel like I'm your father. No, I don't feel that way. Let me give you a hug. No. Oh, you're just punching me. <laughs> Rock'em Sock'em Robots do uh. not hug. You may reach the show the following ways. We have a website, sneakydragon.com. Please write us there and leave a message on the post underneath This is the so shows. slow. You may also reach us by Twitter, sneaky underscore dragon. You can find us on Facebook at Sneaky Dragon. Email. And we have an email, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. You did a pretty good job, Dadbot. Thank you, Mary3000. I'm not a robot. Twist to the show, you were actually a robot and didn't know it. Oh no, Black I'm a Mirror. robot. Oh no. <laughs> this, is, this is dumb. 
This is a dumb podcast. Why do people listen to the show? If you're listening to the show, you've just wasted so much of your life. Go and do anything else. This is stupid. I'm leaving. Bye, everyone. We'll see you in a bye week. A fortnight. <laughs> bye week is not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty silly, Dad. Pretty silly. That's what makes it fun.